Hi, this is Tommy Lee Edwards over in North Carolina, and uh, come visit me at North Carolina Comic Con in November. In the meantime, I'll be listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Pretty enthusiastic. strong in that one. Oh, my, oh, my new crown, yo. Yeah, your new lid. You got two Oh, imagine. <laughs> two? That one for my two. Two to two. two. Uh, good stuff. Good foot. This um, Wednesday took forever to get here. What's up with this? It felt like it, right? Yeah. It's been a while. Oh, really? <laughs> Seriously, you chomp up champing. Sorry, yeah. I, don't want to, I don't want to use a different word. Everybody in the freaking world says chomping. You know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Champ, champing at the bit for this week. Apparently, though, it's not really. I mean, Renee and I have gotten arguments about it. And it's like, you know, I still know what people mean when they say it, but I'm like, oh, right. it's champing at the bit. And, and, but apparently, just like that fucking idiotic word that's in the dictionary because enough people have fucking used it and and it's now par for the course um what word would that be do you not do you not know <laughs> what it is i want to hear it what it do it. it's it's a redundant word because the actual word is regardless oh irregardless <laughs> oh dude that should not be allowed no, why do you have that to shouldn't say be it? allowed i know <laughs> I wanted to hear Ramsey because I would have. <laughs> you would have recorded it, and that would have been my fucking ringtone when I call you. I would have taken that word and spliced it into every one of your sentences. Of course, you would have. You fucker. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just it. I I, can, I judge people on if they use that word or not. It's like you could be you, do. you could be the smartest motherfucker walking in and saying you know, and, and I I'm listening to you. It's like oh, this guy knows his shit, and I'm learning something. And then he says that fucking word, and I'm just like, all right, we're done. I'm out. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I discount everything else you've, you you've said up until now. I don't believe I've ever said that word. Me, I have not either. No. I I, lit, I literally cringe when that comes up. I mean, my my head goes down into my shoulders, and I'm just like, I wanna I wanna gag. <laughs> it happens. Uh, so yeah, so so enough people. It, it's now like you can actually look it up, and and there are. There are dictionaries and, and grammar websites that basically remind you that it is not proper to use chomping, but it, it is, it, it's not as frowned upon as, you know, if you said stamping at the bit or whatever. Or tamping. Tamping. Yeah. It's, so it's like, that's like word pressure. Like peer pressure applied to words. Like so many, a bunch of people use the word, so therefore they made it an actual well, word. That came up recently, uh, my coworker took a snapshot of a New York Times headline that said "bated breath" b a t e d and posted like, "Wow, what a typo for New York Times!" And I wrote back it's and said, "And said baited is is actually the right way." And right. Uh, but it's but but it's interesting because that's the only time that is the only time b a t e d is correct. Is yeah, in, in context. yeah. And but and the reason it exists is because it was, Shakespeare wrote it that way, and it became "bated breath" it was a Shakespeare term, and it just became part of the language. Just, so, just like when they say, I'm sorry. Um, no, I was going to say, so that can happen, right? Neologisms. Absolutely. Because bearing yeah. the lead, they, people will spell it L-E-A-D, but it, it's, it's from what I understand, L-E-D-E. The one that gets me. 
hey, take a peek at this. Uh, and it's P-E-A-K. Yeah. And I want to, uh, you savage. My, you are a savage. Curiosity is peaked. <laughs> it's peaked around the corner. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's 11 o'clock grammar episode. 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 300. Oh my goodness. <laughs> off to a shitty start. And they're off. 387 proper. And I am Vince B. You are Vince Champion B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And I'm flipping like a boss because I'm Tarek El Musa. <laughs> I do. I told uh, Dap, I said, if he's going to be the Pope, this episode, he's gone. Oh, you are not, not the Pope. You are not Musa. You are Jason Woo. Although the Pope is literally at the building next to my office tomorrow. I'm sorry. So I, uh, Ooh. I am expecting my commute home to be rough. Yes. Yeah. Yep. What is going on? Someone pee? Nothing. No, I was just, gargling. I'm just, I just topped myself off. Oh, okay. Cool. How y'all you doing? Can keep, oh, very well. <laughs> I'm doing exceptionally well. And you know where else you can do very well? Dis, discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. One more time for the hearing impaired. dcbservice.com where you, Mr. and Mrs. Comic Book Aficionado, can get all the stuff you love cheaply. Such as, this may be the last time you're going to hear these. I don't know. Z2 Comics, Carver. Paris story number one, written and drawn by Chris Hunt, his brother Mike, and uh, Paul Pope is uh, supposed to be involved in this. Uh, cover price is three ninety nine, but you can take it home for a paltry two dollars and nineteen cents. I think I'm going to carry this over. This next one, every promo spot from now until the eight issues are done will feature the Dark Knight three. Master Race in some capacity. This is issue number one. As I say all the time, masterminded by Mr. Frank Miller with minuscule help from Frank Miller. And <laughs> oh, I fucked my own joke. <laughs> it's getting old anyway. A cover price, two flavors, $5.99, $12.99. You want the upscale version or the regular version? It doesn't matter. They're both discounted 50% off, $2.99 and $6.49 respectively. And this is the one you really have to purchase this month. I was maybe fronting a little bit on the Dark Knight 3. That, that's a acquired taste. But you should all have some of the uh, legendary EC comics on your bookshelves. And in this instance, it's Panic. It's a humor comic. Uh, hardcover Volume 1. It's a big old thick book featuring Jack Davis, Wally Wood, Bill Elder, whose birthday, I believe, was today. Basil Wolverton, uh, Joe Orlando's in here, Al Feldstein, all the greats, the truly great. Uh, cover price forty nine ninety nine. What are they taking it home for? Half that. Fifty percent off. Twenty four dollars and ninety nine cents. You you are not going to even find that cheaper at Amazon, believe me. DCBService.com. Don't be square. Be there. Mm. Yes. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And by the way. We had our buddy Tom King on a few weeks ago. We did. <clears throat> Great chat. And uh, we talked at the time about the many, many works that he is now unleashing onto the comic-loving populace. Uh, but one of the books that we talked about, we spoke in a disappointing fashion because it was the Omega Men, and it had been canceled prematurely. 
But kudos to not only our listeners, but the many, many denizens of 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 the internets because your voice has been heard. The Omega Men, because of the outpouring of requests by fandom, was given a new lease on life. And That's awesome. it's super awesome. And so as part of that, uh, I offered up a little contest. And I posted on the Twitter, but I want to announce it tonight on the show because we have many more listeners to the show than we do Twitter people. And so it's as follows. If you provide me with proof that Omega Men is either on your pull list or that you're pre-ordering it this month, um, I will throw your name into uh, the pool. And then next week on the show, I will draw randomly from all of the people that do so. And the winner of the random drawing will get a $50 Amazon gift card. That's awesome. Now, can David and I enter this? No. <laughs> Why? Well, yeah. No, executive That's officers nice. of, of 11 o'clock comics LLC are not allowed to participate. Well, I'm still available then because I'm not that. You are. No. The sergeant at arms. Um, but uh, if you're looking for the code for you previews, pre-orders, or you want to go give your shop the code, you still have another week. I think final order cutoff is this Friday. So actually only have two days, but but the final, the order code for this month is, um, SEP for September, 150225. And again, it's the Omega Men. So show me that you either have the book, that you have the book on your pull list, or that you are ordering the book, and that will be good enough to enter your name into the contest. Yep. We've got a decent amount of entries already via the, the Facebooks and the emails and the, the Twitters. But, uh, again, if you're wondering how to contact us, the easiest way would be, if you're on Twitter, you can shoot me something at, at J-B-Wood, J-A-Y-B-W-O-O-D. You can also post something on our Facebook page, which is 11 O'Clock Comics. So if you're not a member already, just search for it on Facebook and then join. Uh, you can also find us on the forums uh, at 11oclockcomics.com. Uh, or you can email me if you want. Um, no, I'm not going to give that out. <laughs> smart boy yeah. here's a, a real easy way to prove to mr wood that you did in fact pre-order the book because if you're a dcbs subscriber while you're looking at your your order just hit print screen it's very true and do a, do a, do a screen several cap people have it. done just that yeah and that's the easy way you know crop it a little bit because there's junk on the sides make it easier for him to to see and while it's um, cool if you already have the book, like if you've got like issue number one or two and you take a picture, I mean, that's cool, but we're really trying to support because the reason it was canceled is the sales really weren't there. So the outpouring convinced DC that their sales would be there. Um, and so really the pre-ordering is the key here. So like if you've already been buying it, I assume you're cool with buying the future issues, but um, like don't, don't send me a picture that you have number two in your long box because <laughs> that's not really helping things. Even though number two was really great. It was, but that doesn't really, that doesn't help the cause, so. So I have to keep throwing money at DC? What the heck? Right? You got, you, you do. want to read something good? Damn. Hey, some DC one putting of, out plenty of good comics right now. One of three. No. Per, no. Mm. Well, different strokes, my friend. Imagine that. Yeah. It's true. So let's go around with this drink uh, roll call here. What are you drinking, Jason? Well, I know that um, of late it's been a disappointment, so I'm trying to step it up. Nice. You got to so. get ready for uh, New York, but I'm pretty sure it's it's. A, I bet it's a different flavored seltzer tonight. 
Nah, I'm gonna guess it's something like cranberry juice. I like hate that. cranberry juice. Do you really? Do you really? Oh, I can't stand You've it. You've said that. Yeah, oh, I like it. I like it too. Especially with some seltzer. Cleans you right out. Nah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Um, no, I am drinking polar lemon lime seltzer water. What up? Raise the roof. Hardcore. Well, listen, I was drinking Schweppes last week, so. So I guess it's up to David and myself to, to get this train man, rolling. I am drinking, David, you always go last because you are drinking the best stuff. No, I'm saying, I, I was just going to say, I'm dying to hear. I'm dying for everybody else to hear what Vince is drinking. Um, once again, from the Flying Dog Brewery, I am drinking the Raging Bitch, hmm. Belgian style IPA. I can't get away from the Ralph Steadman wrapper. The beer's great, but you put a Ralph Steadman wrapper around it, and I'm going to love it even all the more. It's nine, no, 8.3%. Alcohol, which is in my zone. I like it high, dark, and thick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you're David. Uh, I am drinking. This arrived yesterday, and I cracked it open tonight, just for tonight. Uh, this is uh, from Columbia Valley in uh, in Washington. Washington. This is Knocking Points Wicked Aim Cabernet Sauvignon oh. from 2013. And of course, um, Knocking Point is the winery, uh, that was, um, co-founded by, uh, Stephen Amel, TV's Green Arrow. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I, uh, I am a, I'm a wine club member. And four times out of the year, they, uh, they send you a couple of bottles of wine and, and, and some, uh, and some coffee and some sorted, uh, trinkets of some sort. Once it was a, um, uh, chocolate bar, once it was a, uh, a knit hat for, for, for the winter. And this time it were, they, they included four, Real cool looking cork coasters and a, um, and a print of their, uh, their wines of 2015 drawn by, um, drawn by a friend of the company. And one of the, uh, so there's, there's the, uh, there's Maja White, there's the Apex Rose, there's a Verdant, which I haven't tried yet, there's a Merlot, which I haven't tried yet, uh, and there is a new bow, I guess, red blend wine. And that actually, the label for that is drawn by uh, DC co-publisher Jim Lee. Look at that. So, yeah, it, they, they have really, really good wines. I haven't, um, Renee likes the uh, the rosé and, and the whites that they've shipped so far. So this is the first package, this is the first box where I actually get to drink everything because it's it's two bottles of the Wicked Aim, whereas the last two boxes pretty much had the rosé and the white, and that was all hers. So I'm glad I'm a member for something that uh, I finally get to drink something of. They should put the bottles in a quiver. That'd be really that cool. That would be really, really cool. Yeah. That would be. That's what I would do. Oh, one year was one one box was also included a uh, a coffee tumbler. So it, it's it's neat. It, it's a cute little uh, and it's not it's not expensive. I mean, I just what the hell? And I get to try something that I can't go into the store and just pick up from the uh, from the liquor stores around here. So that's cool. that's it's pretty cool. I agree. 
Yeah. All right, comic books. That's why we're here. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. What do you got? Oh, crap. Yes, sir. Totally unprepared. Huh? Big surprise. No, I, I didn't have anything queued up or I didn't have the uh, the iPad open or note open. I know. I just am fucking slacking tonight. Well, no surprise. I, right. I have um, made a proclamation among myself that I am going to do nothing but horror from now until after Halloween. Oh, you're pulling your little, little October shtick a little more. I early. am. I am pulling it. Yep. That's cool. Awesome. I believe the first all time we ever had Mr. Crusoe on the show was to do a horror episode, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I believe you're right. Love him. Back in the day. What's up, Zach? So, David, what what have you read of note? Of note? Well, it's not. Uh, it's nothing horror related. Um, okay. I know. I'll say that for you. I'll handle that. Uh, let's see. I did. Um, I read The Dying and the Dead number three. Oh, nice. And, um, that was, oh, not, oh, well, maybe I'll, maybe someone else should go because apparently Comics Hill decided to update and it closed before <laughs> me. So, uh, my, my pre, actually, no way, let me go to Comicsology because I just, I can't access my image previews. But, um, the, uh, I read, I finished Renew Your Vows, the, the Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows miniseries coinciding with, um, with Secret Wars and it, it bugged me. It, not, not the whole, not the married aspect of it. I mean, Dan Slott wrote a good story. Just, he did the, he can write a story. Sure. For this, this particular story, for me, I'm not saying it wasn't good. It just, it wasn't to my liking. So it was still well written. I just wasn't a fan of the story. It, it just, it was. Just a very mature approach. Because more often than not, people, like to, you know, confuse not liking something with it, with it being, being bad yeah, yeah. In, in some capacity. And there, you know, there's a grain of truth in that. If you didn't find anything particularly noteworthy about something, maybe it is bad. But not, you know, that's not always the case. You can you can just not like. I don't like many paintings, but I'm not going to say they're not done well. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You, 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 know. can, you can. You can do your craft really well. Or you can be good at your craft, but not everybody is a fan of what you're doing. So, um, there were just too many things, I guess, going against it for me. I, um, it didn't feel rushed. It didn't feel like it was padded out. It, there were just things that kind of made me crook my head a little bit because I wasn't quite sure why things were done the way. First of all, the big bad, for the miniseries is is a guy called Regent who is kidnapping all the heroes and, and siphoning, taking away their powers. Uh, Regent was doing this because he was going to go up against this mad god, Doom. Nobody else in this domain is aware of Doom or that Doom is a god. And and at the end, when Mary Jane's like, so Regent was doing all this just so he could go after some guy na- named Doom, and Peter's like, yeah, right, crazy. I don't know what the hell he was talking about. Every other domain is aware of Doom, knows they exist, and 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 praise and 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 give tribute to Doom, but apparently not not this corner. And maybe the spider part is isolated. Maybe. Maybe. But 
so so that's that's one thing that was just like I don't know why that would I I guess maybe the heroes would help Regent at that point if if they knew if, if they wanted him to take on Doom or they would have fought him harder if they were aware of Doom and didn't feel like you know Regent's arms are too short but the uh there was that there was there was Annie pretty much kind of saving the day um which the baby yeah yeah uh because she's all you know she's got the knee pads on shoulder pads she's all she's wearing goggles she's all decked out and and you know she's yelling at mom you know she wants a cool code name maybe, maybe call me amp and and i can have like a catchphrase and <laughs> um and just like that and, and the thing with with the shield director i have no idea it, it made me feel like it was um it was it was the the Armageddon switcheroo with uh, with Monarch and and oh psych everybody knew it was going to be Captain Adam so let's go crazy and and make it Hawk because that makes sense Th- this made me think that why would you why would you keep Hawkeye's face in in shadows why why would that be such a big reveal for three issues you're not supposed to know who the Shield director is and then oh psych it's it's Hawkeye I don't know that was not a huge. Wow, that's that's great. Of course, he'd be Shield director because he's. I, it just again scratching my head. I have no idea what the hell they were doing with it. There was one great scene where um where where Peter kind of um makes everything and brings the battle to a close with a dad joke and. He, this is why I love Slot as a, um, as, as a Spider-Man writer. I, I think he, he, he really gets, he, he gets Peter. He, he's inside his head. It, it's, it just, it works. He, he wears him like a glove and he, um, Peter, when, uh, when he says, uh, he, he, he's about to just quit. He's, he's about to submit. He's about to, uh, to surrender to Regent and say, okay, you know, you, whatever you want from me, because re- at one point Regent was like, well, I'll just kill Spider-Man because, you know, I can take Annie's powers and, and that'll suffice. And, um, Peter's like, all right, hold up. He's like, you can have mine. I'm, I'm stronger than Annie. Uh, my powers are more mature than hers. You'll do more damage with mine. So just if, if you promise to keep my family safe and, and just look after them, then, uh, then, then I'll, I'll surrender to you. Just, just promise me that if, um, if my girl eats her veggies and does her homework, you give her a quarter every week. And, and Regent's like, well, only a quarter. And Peter says, well, yeah, come on. I mean, how does Spider-Man pay his kids allowance in spider sense? And Regent laughs at this maniacally. And then this is the, this is, this is the part where that I was like, made the whole issue for me. Peter explains why it's all in her monologue, but it's, he explains why he tells jokes and, and it really worked in his favor in this case, because it, he's, uh, he's saying how, you know, it, it, it centers me, it, it calms civilians and, and, uh, and it rattles bad guys because when they laugh, their cheeks rise, their eyes squint. So their vision's impaired, but most importantly, their head tilts back. And in this case, it exposes Regent's jugular and, 
and this madman was holding my child by the neck, there's nothing I wouldn't do for her. So I have to win. And that's when he pretty much, you know, saves the day. But it, that moment right there, I, I would have read five issues just to get to that little right. scene. But, um, you know, you mentioned, um, slot and his writing ability. I compare slot a lot to Peter David. Oh, absolutely. I think, I, I think they both have the pretty similar approaches. And I mean, we've talked to Peter David at conventions. He's, he's amusing in person, but what he wants to be, Peter David can be damn funny on paper. Oh, sure. And, and slots the same way. And it's, it's not, it's not testicle humor. It's, it's, it's more of a, a humor built on a history with the characters he's writing about. Right. And he twists it in very interesting and clever ways. Like that slots the same way. I think what would be cool is you'll have you'll have artists who will um will switch up. One guy will like, like Brownie and uh, Nick Patara on uh on Manhattan Project. They'll their style works. So like when one needs time off, the other guy comes in and it doesn't it's not it's not jarring. It doesn't it it's not like you're going from John Bushima to uh Hell, anybody. It's Scott McCloud. It's just, it's not, I mean, both are great, but they just, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to get the same story from them. If, if they were to switch that, if they would actually like, you know, have writers kind of split off and, and, and one writer takes over an arc or two after another, Peter David and, and Dan Slott would be great at that. Yep. Peter David, you know, how many issues of, uh, Spider-Man 2099 did he write? Oh. And they're all, they're all great. I forget. Did he ever get to 50? I think it did get to fifty. I think it did. Yeah, but his um, Hulk was fantastic with the, with well, the yeah. personality change and and um and the Pantheon kept, kept it fresh. Mm-hmm. And and his X Factor. I mean, it's just the, the, from going from the Maddox um, Madrox miniseries leading into the the X Factor. Well, even the older X Factor stuff the first time around. That was where everybody's, you know, talking to Samson on the, on, on the shrink couch. It was. He, he did it again in the, in the quote, new X Factor. The new, new? Yeah. I read the it's first issue. Great. I didn't, I, I, I need to go back to it. It's a, you know, they're both great issues. I mean, that, I think that's the single itch issue, uh, for which he's most remembered. That, that stinking Samson issue where they're just talking. Yes. Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. That was, that wasn't the, the, the newest, most recent. Reboot. That was yeah. That was the one. That, oh that, no, no, no. Right. One that was yeah. That. that was one from a couple of years ago. Yes, yes. Yeah. They did. They he he did uh, revisit that idea. This is a great idea. It was. It is. Yep. But that was that was the big thing that I kind of and and I threw that out there because it there was for me in this case kind of more bad than good. But I, I figure we can always we can build from that as we go on through the night and, and talk about the good stuff. It's Spider-Man. How bad? Exactly. Possible? Right. Yeah. I know. And it, it still was, it, it, it was, became like this big Marvel team up towards the end. It, it, it is a Spider-Man story. It feels like a Spider-Man story. It's just, there are just too many things about it that I'm not, I wasn't feeling. And, and it really was, it, it's a random universe Spider-Man. It's, it's, it's not the 616. It's not the 1610. It's not, not really anybody we saw in the Spider Verse is just that I that comes to mind anyway. But it, it's um, you know it, it's Peter and Mary Jane and and they're married and have a kid and and you know, Spider Man has to 
do what a Spider-Man can. And, and it's, he, he does it. He, he does it well. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad Slot was there to write this particular story. And I, I know people are digging it. I, and I'm, I'm glad. I, I'd hate for someone to read a Spider-Man story and be like, yeah, that, this, this is why I don't like Spider-Man. And it, it, this is not something to judge it on. Preposterous. There are no bad Spider-Man is- stories. And, and, and a tangent from what we're currently talking about, the Spider-Man stories are only going to get better because good riddance to bad rubbish, they're finally shunting off Mary Jane <laughs> into Iron Man, where she belongs. You shut your whore mouth. And that is, you know, think about it. That is a great idea. It's, it's, just, it's, it makes so much sense. It does. In theory, to, to, to pair Mary Jane with Stark. They're pretty much the, you know, the, uh, both ma- male and female versions of the same personality. Sure, yeah, she, he, he's got a thing for redheads. She, she likes money. So it all works, it, it's, it works out for everybody. Can't keep her legs together. Right. See, it's perfect. Know. Address all hate mail to <laughs> why, why you gotta go there at 11 o'clock comedy. Seriously, a bunch of heathens. <laughs> I, I do not and I have not ever liked Mary Jane. Don't understand that. I just, there's something about her. Wow. I'm very protective of my Peter. All I know is the first time I saw her, I hit the jackpot. <laughs> Face a tiger, you have just entered into a life of misery and pain. True. Yeah, that wouldn't have sounded as good as, as hit the jackpot. No, no, sadly. But anyway. Who's next? I've read Great a album. ton of shit this, uh. Good for you. Do tell. What'd you read? A ton. Um, well, seeing as how we, uh, just touched on a little Marvel, I'll go another route. <clears throat> um, I guess about a year or maybe even two ago, uh, our good buddy and, uh, and, and EOC guest one time, Mr. Sean Pryor, gifted me via the Comixology, uh, two issues of a webcomic um, I believe originally put out through Thrillbent, distributed via Comixology called The Motorcycle Samurai yes. by Chris Sheridan. And I talked about it at the time, very much enjoyed it. Um, and lo and behold, uh, fast forward to last month, and Mr. Sheridan put out a 176-page volume of uh, of the collected works of The Motorcycle Samurai. It's called... Uh, the Motorcycle Samurai, Volume 1, A Fiery Demise. Uh, and it was published through a partnership that uh, Comixology and Thrillbun have with Top Shelf. And again, shout out to Chris Staros. Top Shelf always puts out great stuff. Um, it's a square-bound book. And it is... Chris Sheridan does everything. He writes, draws, colors, letters, everything. He It's, it's his book, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. And... The story takes place um, in a post-apocalyptic world where essentially what the book is at its heart is a spaghetti western um, set in an apocalyptic world. Um, but but the whole narrative, the, the, the pathos, the, 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 the characters, the, the villains, the heroes, the, the outcomes, the settings are all very evocative of spaghetti westerns. So... For those of you old enough to know what I'm talking about, you get it. For those of you that are too young to know what I'm talking about, A, screw you for being young. And B, what I mean is the Spaghetti Westerns were a bunch of Western movies, many many of which starred Clint Eastwood, although not exclusively. And they were called Spaghetti Westerns because they were filmed in Italy because it was much cheaper to film there. But they all were basically the same kind of plot. You had this 
um, anti-hero that comes to town for some purpose and he wants to be left alone but is ultimately wronged or gets drawn into a local dispute out of some moral obligation or perhaps a revenge issue and then um, battles ensue and our, our, our anti-hero prevails in the end. So that's, that's essentially what we've got going here. Um, but in this case, the motor, motorcycle samurai is a woman, uh, named the White Bolt. And she wears this, uh, it's kind of like, uh, Kill Bill. She wears a, a, a gray version of that kind of jumpsuit with a motorcycle helmet that covers her entire face and it's got a, a Punisher type of a skull mask painted on it. And, uh, she's a total kick-ass, um, as you might gather. She's a bounty hunter and, uh, and a frontier woman and she is a, a, a total samurai badass. So in this, she is crossing the desert on her motorcycle with a, um, with a passenger who's masked and it turns out that the passenger is the, um, is the brother of the, uh, ruling landowner, the villainous landowner of the, of this area. And she's brought him back because he had killed, uh, his sister's husband and was wanted for a bunch of things. His name is Happy. And she's bringing him back to collect a, a reward. And, um, much like one of my favorite westerns of all time, Silverado, as the story involved, uh, gets, gets, uh, goes along, a different, a, a number of different people for different reasons decide to become aligned against, uh, Boss Parker, Boss Parker. They all start in different places there, but, but at the end, there's, there's a posse. There's five, there's five people that are, uh, have, have, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And they all form a posse to try and take down, uh, Boss Parker and her, and her gang. And, um, it's just, it's like the perfect comic for me because I, I love that setup. I love the getting the gang together, uh, MO from action movies. I love the idea of, of them all coming together to fight a villain and, and having a big battle to the end. And that's pretty much, we get all of that here. So, um, it's difficult to describe the artwork because, uh, it's very distinctive. I, I really honestly can't think of a person that I could name that you're going to think, Oh, okay. I get it. Um, very linear, very angular, uh, almost misshapen, uh, body types, um, very long arms, very long necks, um, big oval-esque eyes. Um, not, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost like Raphael Grampa without all the extra, uh, line work. It's like a simpler line, but, but, but evoking the style of Raphael Grampa, I guess, is different. Only you, you guys, you know, you've seen that. What do you, do you think that's a- Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Um, the, my, uh, examples are limited, but from what I can see, it looks like a tighter Kent. Yeah, I, by way, I would, by way of the Grandpa. tighter though. Yeah, I would, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. it's definitely tighter. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's just a blast, man. Like I said, if you're a Western fan, this is going to hit home big time, but, uh, but, and this arc is, I, I, I tried to double check this. Um, I'm pretty sure everything in this book was part of the web series. Um, although I don't think it's everything because I definitely don't think the two issues that Sean sent me a few years back are in this book. So I think there were more prequels to what we have here, which is five chapters that carry us through to the end of this, uh, time in, that she, of her time in this town. But, um, it's super cool, man. It's, it's action packed. It's, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, it's, it's just clearly much in the same way that, 
you know, aphrodisiac was a love letter to 70s exploitation films and Marvel, Silver Age. The Motorcycle Samurai is a love letter to Mad Max and, uh, and, 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 uh, and Leon movies. You know, I mean, that's, that's really what this is. And, um, so huge hat tip to Chris Sheridan. Um, again, you can get it on Thrill Bent or Comixology. I think the issues, uh, there's a few that are a buck 99 and then the, then there's a few that are larger size that are 3.99. Or if you're a print guy, you can buy this. And again, it's, uh, volume one, a fiery demise. It's uh 1999 cover price from top shelf IDW. And, um, it is most recommended. It's, it's a blast. This is pretty cool because I'm looking at the art here and I said to myself, wow, that character kind of re- resembles Evil Knievel. Yeah. And yeah. there are, there are like, um, character cards and the one says, Evil Knievel played by Steve McQueen is All Star. And yeah, then absolutely. Elvis played by Bruce Lee is the White Bolt. So they're like, there's nods to all these influences in the book it the design looks really cool yeah i mean evil right the 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 sheriff of the town currently is the guy all-star and he's he's dressed in an evil knievel jumpsuit and um he's somewhat he 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 re he re re re-engages as the evil knievel character um but we actually find out that in fact that he is i don't want to spoil what he is but he's actually not evil knievel and you know you can read this and think that this is set in the you, you might think for a second this is set in the west but the old west except for the fact that that you know they've got motorcycles but in fact when you see what he is and you see a couple of other little hints later on in the book you get the sense that this really is a post apocalyptic future where because it's become a desolate place in a wasteland that essentially that that western setting is back but this is very much in the future from from our time so i'm liking the look of this a lot yeah. oh it's great it's a lot of, and like i said i think there's definitely a component of it that's free Online. So if you, if you just Google Motorcycle Samurai and Chris Sheridan, I'm pretty sure there's at least an issue or two that are available for free. Um, and then if you, if you're a digital dude, Comixology is your spot. If you're a print dude, top shelf, go to in stock trades, uh, I guess Amazon, you know, anywhere you, you can, you get your trades from. But, uh, yeah, I, I give this two thumbs up and it's, it's definitely good bang for your buck too. I think it was 50% off from DCB. So it was 10 bucks for a hundred and almost 180 pages of comic. Nice. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, cause I have, I, I do, one you mentioned it last time. I have the two, the first two issues yeah, yeah. in mm-hmm. the, um, in the library. The, uh, and then there have been the free comic book days. I, mm-hmm. I don't have three, four, and five. I need to rectify that, but the, uh, and the one shots, but I know that the, oh, I don't know how much, I, I don't know what's in the bundle, but the top shelf has the digital version of volume one for, for half off. So, Nice. Which I think is fantastic. So yeah, and and that's well, that makes sense because three ninety nine each issue is three ninety nine, and it's the three issues, so that's twelve bucks. So um, and then there's the other stuff. So yeah, that that's that sounds about right to me. I think this was a free comic book day. Thing. It yeah, was, no, yeah, it was. it was the free comic book day this past year. Set was the prequel to this, to this story. It's the it's the prequel. It sets her up. Um, the the white bolt, the the, the who is the motorcycle samurai. What's not really clear, and she keeps being asked by the other protagonists, is what, which, what's, what's her gripe with the boss? Like, why is she here? Right beyond the, 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 the and, and we find that out later, like what her motivation is for, for getting involved in this whole skirmish. Um, and, and part of her motivation is set up in the free comic book day issue. So if you read that, you don't probably need the answer to the question they keep asking her. But if, but if, but to the Sheridan's credit, if you, if you 
didn't read the prior stuff, I mean, she eventually, at a very apropos point in the story, unveils what her real motivation is. Um, I will say one thing, and again, I hope I'm coming clear. I think this is fantastic, and I recommend everybody get it, particularly fans of Westerns. But I will say the one little minor nit I have, um, and if Chris happens to hear this again, I think it's just con- take this as constructive criticism. The lettering is 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 no no, no bueno. It, it's it's and you know you see this a lot with 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 self made self published books. It's very straightforward um, uh, type font, and it's just does it the 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 font is is not distinctive and it doesn't fit the word balloon. No, yeah, it doesn't. It it's it's sterile. It's it's very um it it doesn't have the same life that the art has. Exactly. That's the thing. It sticks out because the art and the storytelling and the pacing and the coloring and the action are all so awesome that the letters let just just take a little bit away from it. But again, that's a total minor nit. I mean, if the worst thing about a book is that the letters are don't perfectly fit the, the the word balloons, then you, you've got a pretty damn good comic. So, yeah, but when you're footing the bill yourself, mm-hmm. that's kind of a necessity because it's just an added expense. I got to pay a letterer to do this book, and yes, we we don't like canned lettering, but if it, if it's the difference between a book with canned lettering being published or being not published at all, a hundred percent. That's why I say yeah, it's a total nit. I, I, I don't. It's, but I'm just. I'm being fair because it, I think it does stick out. You know, I just wanted to be fair yeah. on on that matter. But yeah, right. Well, I, I totally agree with you too on the t- subject of lettering. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and there are you know there are and I know this just because of my my jam piece obsession. There are some pretty phenomenal fonts that you can download for free. Agreed. You know, yeah. and and so it's 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 not that hard to. To, for you, hey, I know there's lots of, we, 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 there are a ton of members of our 11 o'clock comics community that are aspiring self-publishers of their own work. And so for those that are just getting started and are just, I think it's a fair bit of, uh, constructive criticism, you know, and there are great fonts out there that can allow you to, to make your stuff look more professional than you would otherwise think. You know, you don't have to stick with Arial or Times New Roman. Oh, I do love Arial though. I do too. It's our, not, it's our not default, for comics. It's our default font at uh, at our firm, actually. So classy. Yeah. Ariel's a beautiful font. Now, Times New Roman is the devil. Uh, so. it's, we use Ariel internally, and then for external printed communication, we use Palantino Linotype. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. I tend, you guys are on the ball, <laughs> bitches. I tend to use Tahoma in uh, in my emails. I like Tahoma. I like Tahoma yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I got something. I know you do. It's dark. It is. It is. Um, the books about which I'm going to talk are founded in the real world. Um, there were a number of events that occurred, uh, particularly in 1983, when uh, one C.C. Malvey, who was then a junior at Johns Hopkins, uh, was on a, a class field trip. Um, disappeared in, in the woods for six hours. Couldn't find him. Uh, when they finally did, uh, and, and Malvi, uh, was hearing and speech impaired, by the way. Uh, when they finally found him, he claimed to have been struck from behind, um, taken to somewhere, he, he couldn't really say, um, and, and tended to by invisible caretakers 
who told him strange stories that chilled him to the marrow. Um, apparently, this young man's experiences in the woods were so traumatic that he later hung himself. They, they found him in his, in his apartment, uh, you know, swinging from the rafters, um, but not before he could chronicle his experiences in the form of uh, comics. Mm-hmm. And the the name of the book is called Wood Witch Said. And this book was given to Oni Press's Jamie Rich, who at the time was the editor-in-chief. Uh, he was at the Small Press Expo. Somebody came up to him and said, hey, check this out. You like weird stuff? And it was weird, but unfortunately the uh the art and the sequential uh component were not up to snuff okay. they were very 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 um rudimentary very crude and not in a good way Jamie Rich by the way um, now now one of the main creative forces behind the the uh the vertigo re- rebuild that's uh, yeah, that on. this is true mm-hmm. um so what rich did uh because he found the stories very almost eerily similar to the subject of an artisan entertainment film that had recently well then been pitched to Oni as a possible comic tie-in, he corralled a bunch of creative people to do some research on this story and and do a, um, a, a comic series about it. And I neglected to specify the location of the woods where Mr. Malvi was abducted because doing so would have spoiled the surprise. The location was Burkittsville, Maryland. And the film tie-in, of course, was the Blair Witch Project. Mm. And the comics created in the wake of this are as much a ruse as the film itself. There was no C.C. Malvi. There was no incident in the woods. And these books, which were written by Jen Van Meter, it's called, uh, they don't attribute the writing to her. They attribute, it's called um, Research, no, Annotated and Adapted okay. by Jen, Jen Van Meter. Just to keep cool. that ruse. Yeah, okay, Mrs. Keep, Greg Rucka. Right, just to keep the ruse up. But it's all a bunch of hoo-ha, just like the movie. And... Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately, not like the movie, which had its moments, but the buildup and the mythology they created on that website was much more compelling than the actual movie itself. Like, I enjoyed the movie, but I have to say, the lead up to it with all that stuff they were doing online and all the, 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 the factoids and the mythology they created, that was really compelling. So much more so than the one trick pony movie that eventually came out but the book is far more engrossing than the movie uh like i said written by jen van meter this there was a one shot the blair witch project number one there was a four issue miniseries called the blair witch chronicles and there was an image book and that's it for the entirety of the blair witch chronicles in comic form you know you would think there would have been a whole lot more because when you hear the creative team on the first issue in the, in the miniseries, you're going to be like, what? The art is done by Guy Davis, Tommy Lee Edwards, Bernie Moreau, mm-hmm. and somebody else, which I'm going to keep till the end. I'm not going to tell you who that fourth person was because, in my opinion, his issue is the most outstanding issue out of them all. 
and I'm going to spill the beans then. Um, it's all Jen Van Meter and company riffing on that fabricated history of the Blair Witch, but infinitely more in depth in the movie. Um, there's three stories in the one shot, uh, which by the way was pretty hot stuff when it was published in 1999 because the thing chewed through, I think three printings, uh, to my recollection. It was, it was big deal. Like the, the first printing of the, of the issue was going for some then serious money, but now you can get it for like a quarter in, in, in the cheapy bins. But, um, it tells the story of Elizabeth Kedward, her curse and how she later became, you know, the witch and how she came to Burkittsville and what she eventually did 15 years later. Just the whole um, mythology about the witch. But the most effective tale was illustrated by Guy Davis. No surprise there, right? Mm. It's, a st- it's a story called She Needs Me, colon, Coffin Rock. And it's about young Robin Weaver and the horrific events of Coffin Rock when um, this little girl wanders into the woods. She thinks something's calling her, and she eventually murders the the, the the search party that was sent out to retrieve her in a very graphic and disturbing way. And this is in the movie, but it, it's, you know, it's it's dialogue. They don't really show it. They, they don't show it at all. Um, Bernie Moreau. Uh, details the events of the Rustin Parr killings, which is also in the movie. There are many children standing in the corner in this one. Um, further perpetuating the ruse, the comic is annotated. Like you'll, you, in, um, in the first story in particular, you know, which was lettered by John Workman, David, where, where you see Tommy <laughs> Lee Edwards, you often see John Workman. Yep. Like there'll be a dialogue balloon or a little caption. There'll be a little tiny number. After it, you go on the back of the book, and for sure, it's all annotated in an appendix, and it's all a bunch of hoo ha, mm-hmm. you know. It, but th- that's what—that was what was so compelling about the movie. There, as many people scoffed at it, there was as many that believed that it was true. There were people really convinced that the movie was legit, that it was the truth. And I'm like, seriously, this is a staple of exploitation filmmaking since like day one. Make you think what you're seeing is real. Right. The following—the following events are based on a true incident, but the names and places have been changed. To, like, give me a break. But, I mean, that's the joy of exploitation filmmaking. Um, but the four-issue miniseries called The Blair Witch Chronicles is pretty much the same creative team as the one-shot minus Tommy Lee Edwards. The best issue of which is issue number three. And do you know who illustrated this bitch? Jack Davis. You wish. But no, it's a person who, whose style is very much influenced by Jack Davis. Mr. Tom Fowler. Nice. That's my dog. Uh, you should see this thing. I mean, he's much more loose now. Uh, but this issue is phenomenal. If, I'm telling you, if this issue was the story on which they based the second movie, mm-hmm. it would not have been such a turd. Have you ever seen Blair Witch 2? I, no, I don't think I have. It, no. it is one of the worst movies ever made. That's surprised. Yes, it is. It is horrible and not in a good way. Um, it's about a coven of witches. Um, one of which is they're Wiccans, actually. Witches, yeah, they're witches. Uh, one of the 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 leader of which is very um, 
popular in the, in the mainstream. She's brought on talk shows and, you know, she's celebrated for her um, knowledge on the subject. And uh, they get a phone call while this woman's on TV that, hey, we have a um, a piece of land that we want you to cleanse. You just get out. There's some weird stuff going on. Uh, or ha- there had been in the past. Why don't you go out there and, and, you know, purify the area, make it habitable because we want to sell this thing. So the witches go there and it just happens to be in Burkittsville. You pretty much can guess the rest. But Fowler illustrates this thing. It is magnificent. And this thing was published. I don't even think we knew Tom then. Mm-hmm. This was published in 2000. Oh wow. So you're going back 16 yeah, years. Yeah, no kidding. Jay. Yeah. And I mean, he did a phenomenal job. The uh the detail is astounding mm-hmm. and he does not cut corners. If there is a room in which there are bookcases in the background or shelves, they are festooned with bric-a-brac books, um, items pertaining to the people uh, which inhabit the, which inhabit this this place. It, it's just an he did an amazing amazing job. And I'm not I'm not surprised cuz you know, we know Tom, we know his ability, but this just came out of left field. I was going through some some um some boxes and I said, Hey, Blair Witch, Halloween, why not? And I had forgotten or I may have skipped this issue entirely back in the day and just did, didn't even read it. It is by far the, the high point of, of the Forest U miniseries. And that's saying a lot when you got guys like Guy Davis and, and, uh, Bernie Moreau, um, you know, in the, in the stable. It's just incredible. Uh, and the last, um, Blair Witch tie-in was published by Image. Go figure. It was only a one-shot. Written by Ian Edgington. If you know your Brit comics, you Mm -hmm. know full well who this man is. And the art, guess. Uh, Disraeli. Charlie Adler. Ah, you know I said Disraeli. Yeah, I know why. Um, (laughs) Again, it ties into the original Blair Witch in detailing uh, the twins the uh, the par twins and it's very disturbing in its own right but you know with all this rich mythology that they created for this movie why was there not more Blair Witch comics did they not sell well they they obviously sold Mm -hmm. initially anyway because that first issue chewed through three printings but then it just seemed to like uh, I'm, I'm guessing it was the second movie that pretty much killed it because it was, I think it's one of the most, as, as much as the original is one of the most successful motion pictures of all time because they made it on a shoestring budget and they reaped far more in ticket sales than they actually put out to make the movie. I think the second one is probably one of the most disastrous releases in movie history because it just totally killed the franchise. It's that bad. It's, it's horrendous. Mm. It's on Netflix, I think. Either that or Amazon Prime if you want to watch it. I don't recommend it. Because it's just, I love bad movies. I can't even sit through the damn thing. It's that bad. But Blair Witch, um, there was a McFarlane figure, if you guys remember, of the witch, which I think was a mistake. Because I, I don't, I don't want to see the witch. That was part of. It's like the the xenomorph in Alien. You know, you only saw snippets of it, and until the end. But I almost didn't even want to see that. I would rather the alien have remained. You know, cloaked in shadow, but the Blair Witch, we didn't really need to see her. Mm-hmm. And McFarlane made a figure of her, of course. 
but no, I I adore the first movie um, right. much more for the uh, the mythology than the actual filmmaking, which was fine. But once you've seen it, there's really no reason to watch it again. Mm-hmm. It's not like The Exorcist; you can keep watching it over and over and over. Um, but I would have liked to have seen more Blair Witch comics because I think there's a lot to uh, there's a lot of mileage in that backstory. There you go. I got more horror, but we'll, horror? we'll keep it for later. Yep. Who is? Or Who is? And a little stick man. Isn't that one, that one of the creepiest film tie-ins ever? That little damn stick man. I love that thing. Because you, you see it hanging from a tree and you're like, what the fuck? Where am I walking? What have I stumbled into? And then you trip on a bag of teeth. And it's all I mean, over. for all of the uh, bashing that we're doing about Blair Witch, it is it is fair to say it, it did start the whole found footage yeah. era, modern era, and, and I've, I've dug a lot of those movies. Me too. I I I really like I the found footage. There's, I mean, there are a couple stinkers, and you know, it pains me to say this, but Romero's doc, uh, Diary of the Dead is probably mm-hmm. one of the worst mm-hmm. ones, but. Um, I really like the paranormal activity. Me too. It's not, not the whole series. Agreed. Um, have you seen the marked ones? What do you mean? That's the, it's a paranormal activity tie-in movie. It's called, I think it's actually called paranormal activity, the marked ones. No. It, it's not, it, it's not, and it is part of the main story. Okay. Like they, you, well, I can't tell you anything if you haven't seen it, but it, there is an inroad to the paranormal activity, um, franchise per se but it's really good Mm -hmm. it's really creepy and um i think monsters is a great movie phenomenal movie monsters Uh, is excellent yeah um i also liked um i i liked uh vhs which you turned me on to yeah that wasn't bad yeah Um, the bay was all right could have been better but it was all right that apollo movie and i forget the the uh the mission it was apollo something that was okay. Mm-hmm, that it was, was okay. Creep, creepy in spots, yeah. yeah. But I just love, uh, now I, like Ghost Hunters and that bullshit, I, I can't watch those. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's absolute trash. Um, and, and shame on those guys that are trying to, uh, push themselves as legitimate paranormal researchers when it's all bullshit. Right. Uh, but now that's not, I'm not saying I don't believe in such things. I just think the ones that are doing it on TV are not the, you know, that that legit guy in the commercial would not find them legit. Right. Whatever. The legitinator, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> um, but uh no, I the found footage there's still a lot of a lot of re- mileage left in that that uh genre, I think. Yeah, it feels like it's slowed down, no? Or maybe I'm just not looking for them as much. I think I think people got tired of it. Yeah, I did a little bit. Yeah. There's a ton of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to do. Did you see they recently made a sequel to the to Monsters? They did. I enjoyed oh, it. Oh, I haven't it's, seen it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's don't expect anything on the level of the first mm-hmm. one. There's more action in the second one. Okay. Yeah, you don't have all that character development. Like I I enjoy monsters, but I think there were they could have did a little trimming here and there. Like mm-hmm. I think the the journey was really padded out. Like you knew that those two were gonna come to terms and, 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 you know, find something in each other. On right, which to, right, right. But I, I just think it, the, it took too long to get there. And I, I will say, I did not see that coming. How the first scene is actually the last scene. Mm-hmm. That was really smart. Dope, right? Yeah. 
Love and I love the design of the monsters. Agreed. Fucking creepy. <laughs> oh, man. It's Lovecraftian. What's not? Faux show. Yep. All right. Spin it. Spin, spin the bottle. Spin the table. The table. Like a turntable. Did you get your iPad uh, turned on there, Dak? Or? It's on. The, uh, so I can finally <laughs> talk about the dying and the dead. Uh, so number three, finally came out and, um, and Hickman was, was kind enough to explain, uh, somewhat of the, um, or recognizing the fact that there, that there was a massive delay. Uh, and they're, um, and it's the last issue for a while because they're going to, uh, he and Ryan are going to catch up so that, uh, they'll be able to be on somewhat of a monthly basis in, in, uh, 2016. So, um, it'll, it's, it's on, I don't want to say pause, but it, it's, uh, it, it'll be the last issue for a while, I'm guessing. And the third issue, I, what? I think that's a good idea. What's a good idea? To acknowledge that, hey, yeah, this is late, but you know what? Good work, take time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it is a little, it, it doesn't really feel like the first issue did for me. Um, and really not so much the second either. It, 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 it's a beautiful looking book. The, uh, the bulk of it though is, uh, Our three people who wanted to take over the world having dinner. Um, one of them named Andre. Uh, one of them named is uh, Adolf. <laughs> no, no one's having a dinner with Andre. <laughs> um, and uh, and there's uh, Hirohito and um, and I am trying to. I'm. I'm See, that sounds interesting to oh, me. Oh no, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to, to see it play out. Um, but, but graphically, mm-hmm. it looks somewhat like East of West again with, with the stark white characters and, um, and, and reminds me a little bit about Manhattan Projects where you have real historical figures, um, in a, uh, in a fictional setting and, and, you know, characters are killed who obviously weren't in, in real life. Uh, so there's some liberties in that regard, but it is, it's, I'm going to, I think maybe before the end of the year, I'll read the three issues again, back to back just to, um, see how tight the, uh, the storytelling was and, and, and trying to figure out if there's any connection. And I believe there is, um, from the, uh, from the first issue, especially that wedding that, uh, we witnessed, uh, or our, the honeymoon, the consummation, what have you. And if there's any connection between the first issue to the third, because just reading the third issue and trying to remember the first two issues, uh, it's, not as easy as I would have hoped. Uh, pretty sure my my uh, my memory wasn't working all too well. Trying to 
remember things, but it's, um, it, it looks amazing. It's Hickman doing, you know, his, what Hickman does. And, and it's some, um, fantastical stories and, and, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it continuing. And I, uh, like I said, at least there was, uh, they admitted that, uh, you know, the onus is on them for, um, for not being so, I guess on top of things. The, uh, but I did also catch up on the fade out. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. What issue? Uh, I'm up to number nine. Oh, Ooh. okay. And, uh, it is, you know, Baker is just, you know, you, you can't just have two guys having a fight in a living room you have to add he'll he'll um and it doesn't stop the action or anything but if if say a fight happens between gill and charlie an actual knockdown drag out fist fight you you get an idea that well as as you're reading the issues um charlie's pretty much had it up to here with gill and and his shenanigans and uh the shit they kind of he puts Charlie through and he, um, it, while they're fighting and, and Charlie's thinking about it and, you know, that what kind of maybe why this has been boiling up and, and, and bound to happen sooner or later is now we get, we get the secret origin. We get, we get the background of, um, of these two, when they became friends, when they met, and, uh, and Charlie going to war, and then when he, when he came back, it was, um, it was Gil and Melba who met him at the, uh, at the hospital, and he stayed with them, uh, for a few months, and things may have gotten a little crazy while they were trying to get Charlie back to the land of the living, because he was, he, he, he definitely lost something in the war and he wasn't, he wasn't all there and, and they missed their friends. So, um, you know, shit happened with that. And there's this whole mystery happening and, and blackmailing. And it's, it's just, it doesn't, doesn't feel soap opera. It doesn't feel like, you know, that Brubaker's just, you know, throwing shit out there and, and, and he's, uh, going crazy with these ideas it it's a very um organic story it, it everything's happening as you kind of expect them to or or did there's no really doubting that this isn't how somebody would react in these situations and and the art is just fantastic it's it's some of phillips's best work i he's, he's one not, of the best and i wow, mean that's, that's saying something because He's been doing his best work for a long time. I, yeah, but this, I, I don't know if it's just, if it's the setting, if it's, if it's the, um, merging of their characters and, and real world Hollywood old timey stars, or if it's mm-hmm. just, uh, and, and Elizabeth Breitweiser's color is just popping and it looks mm-hmm. amazing on the, uh, especially on the iPad, but it just, I mean, it just, it pops and everything just works really well. There's no, um, it's not, I mean, even, even in a crowded room or it's a Halloween party and people are in, in wearing masks and, and 
it's crowded. It doesn't, you don't, I I never got the sense that, you know, Phillips was lazy or phoning it in, just be like, all right, I'll something. You'll see see a head in a crowd, but like no body, just to give you a sense of a crowd. But it's, it just, it looks amazing. I, yeah, no, I, I thought criminal was fantastic and criminal was fitting because it was, it was gritty and it was, it was scratchy. It was dirty. And, um, actually Fatal, I, I didn't really stay with that after the first couple issues, but I thought incognito, I, I know I'll get to it. I just, it's just on my list and incognito I thought was great. But again, that, that kind of had a criminal feel to it too, because of it was, it was the other side of, of superheroes, but the, uh, this just looks, I mean, there's, it, it's delicate, deliberate. It, it, it's clean. Yeah. It just, it looks amazing. I think if we did a list, the danger field list of the dudes which don't get no respect, mm-hmm. I think Phillips would be really high on that list because he is a master. And, you know, people like to throw around names, the, the, the current, uh, favorites and, and, you know, but you never really hear right. over here, over here, you know, Sean Phillips, man, that guy's a monster. And he is, he's every bit of a monster. And it's just because he's so damn good. Um, mm-hmm. he, and he doesn't particularly work in the style which attracts a whole lot of eyes, let's just say. He's, he's a, he's a cla- he's in the classic, uh, vein. He could, you could put Sean Phillips's work, um, show somebody an EC comic, uh, that, that have no idea what, what this thing is, right. sneak, sneak in Sean Phillips's work and it would not look out of you're place. You're right, you're right. Yep. No argument there. I love his stuff. But I gotta say, my favorite scene of the book so far is when the, uh, the agent tells, um, hey, and he, he whispers something in her ear and you, you don't hear what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but he told her to shave herself yes. down there. Yes. Because, because when the head of the studio sees her, he's like, Oh, do, what like did you do that? You're, you're like a little, <laughs> you look like a child. Mm-hmm. Cause he didn't want the agent to touch her. Right. You know, because if she was, you know, womanly, uh, quotes down there, he would have ravaged her, but he, he was smart. And I thought, and, uh, I thought they were going in another direction because I figured, if she shaves, and which is pretty much one of the main reasons why I'm not a fan, but if 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 oh if, my god, if you're clean shaven and you look like a kid, then that would have guaranteed her work because then the head of the studio would have wanted to because he's got a thing for kids. Right. Well, I'm glad they didn't. Go oh, absolutely. That, that would have been telegraphed. I mean, you would have ex- you did you would have expected that coming. Right. Yeah. But yeah. the fact that he likes it all nasty down there um, that was a, a curveball. <laughs> not to put my own spin on it seriously but uh yeah no it's a great book um and it's better to buy it in single issues because the back matter is is so in-depth and so amazing and it doesn't appear in the trades well not all of it Mm yeah just to get Sean Phillips's spot illustrations, they're cool. They are. They're fantastic. Oh. Yeah, I, sometimes I can't believe it's still the, it's the same dude. I'm like, oh, who they get to draw? No, it's Phillips. All right, that's cool. no. He gets gets very painterly. He does. In it's the, amazing. In the back pages. And yeah. and and before you know, you go off and 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 twist it. I'm not talking about some some 70s hippie mm. shit going on down there. I'm just saying. I, oh no, I, I, no, I like no, to I see that. Yeah, you know, hair up to the navel. 
No, no, not up to the navel, not going around down the thighs. I just, I, I need to know that some hair does exist, but that's... No, that's, he likes to see Tarzan swinging around in it. That's, that's he's yeah, like. that's what, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know I, I'm good, I'm, I'm good with a variety, it's all good. Oh, absolutely. Long, yeah, you're good with a variety as long as it's on one woman. Well, yeah, yeah. exactly, but not, I'm saying... There you not, go. But, yeah. but the thing is, is, well, I'm, to be clear too though, I mean, that 70s thing is like, hell no. Nah. And there was like a little window where that look came back in the uh, adult film industry like a few years ago. Oh, I know. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, what is up with this? Yeah, something's going. Luckily, that was short lived. That was short lived. Yeah, or so we're I've gonna heard. get. So I've heard. We're we're gonna get comments on this one. That's okay. That's all right. It happens. Um, Jason, would you like to go? Because uh, sure. I have something else if you want to. All right, go ahead. Um, I. Uh, as you guys know, I have been a fan of what uh, Mr. Palmiotti and Miss uh, Miss Connor have been doing um, over at uh, in Harley at in the Harley Quinn book. You have yes, and they um, I think spinning out of Convergence, uh, a new book has started, um, which is Harley Quinn and Power Girl. Yes, uh, also by Connor Palmiotti, along with with uh, Palmiotti's longtime writing partner, Justin Gray, with art by Stefan Rue, as well as our buddy, Mr. Moritat, and colors by our other buddy, Mr. Paul Mounts. And I read the first three issues this week and was tickled pink. Um, they've got a nice little thing going right now, Palmiotti and Connor. They, they Between Harley Quinn, this book, and Starfire, they've got a, 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 you know, a, a nice collection or almost every week they're putting out a book that's very much their type of book right it's 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 action and comedy all rolled into one with a very distinctive comedic voice it's just a little bit naughty but not not obnoxiously so um it's it's you know got a lot more um uh, innuendo than outright sexuality and i just think they're they're just in a comfort zone right now and um I think up until Harley Quinn, their best-selling commercial book ever was their Power Girl run from a few years ago. And so they know these characters really well. And the setup, which I, I touched on a bit when I was reviewing the last uh, volume of Harley Quinn, but um, in the last arc of Harley Quinn, um, well, at least of the last arc in the second volume of the collected editions, uh, Power Girl lands, she crashes back to Earth after an adventure, and she has amnesia. And Harley finds her and... Since she has amnesia, she convinces her that they were a uh, a, a dynamic duo and that, that that they were partners in a in a, in a crime fighting duo. And so far, that's and that's this book launches from that. So um, in the pages of Harley Quinn, as they're going around doing their thing, they get teleported to another dimension or not another dimension, but another galaxy. And this picks up where that where that that starts, and it essentially involves um, Vartox, who is it been around DC for a long time? I mean, since the 74, I think was his first appearance. But again, he was one of the, he was involved in a major story arc in the old Power Girl comic from a few years ago. Uh, so they brought that character back. And what Vartox is, is he's essentially from a power set perspective, uh, very much like Superman. In fact, back in the seventies, he was first introduced as a guy who had been buddies with Superman and had gone on a lot of adventures with him over the years. But he's um, he's he's he was based in the '70s after Sean Connery. Looks like Sean Connery. Um, Vartox was a play on Zardos, which is that terrible movie that Connery was in. Um, so he's, he's, he's essentially Sean Connery as Superman, is what it really is. 
that terrible. And um, well, okay, I mean, not what I mean is not critically acclaimed, but but um, but he he in 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 the current setting as as established a few years ago is from a planet where um, it's basically a peace and love planet. They haven't had war or any fighting for for millennia, and then another alien race detonates a um, a pure like a purity bomb. And it makes everybody on the planet uh, sterile. Ooh. So Vartox, a few years ago in the Power Girl series, comes to Earth looking for his perfect mate. And not surprisingly, finds Power Girl to be his perfect mate. And uh, hijinks ensue. So we're kind of back to this now. They they have uh, Power Girl and Harley Quinn have been teleported to this uh this other part of the of the galaxy or universe, and they're trying to get back to Earth, but they need to find a tele- teleportation ring or some other technology to do that. And in their quest, they find out that their old friend Vartox has been um, kidnapped, uh, and, and well, rather held captive in his home planet um, by uh, another guy who is essentially a, a, a cosmic stoic, um, a, a you know, a, 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 a guy who doesn't believe in 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 any kind of uh, sexuality or carnality or anything. And so he's taken over the planet and he's trying to cleanse, uh, Vartox's planet of, of sexuality and, and innuendo and, and titillation and all that sort of thing. And so they're of course not having it. And, uh, it's just great. I mean, the, the, the interplay of Harley and, and, and Kara is, is terrific. Uh, Kara still has, has, um, amnesia. So, you know, she'll say things like, how in the hell are we friends? I can't believe we're actually friends, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, Harley crafts because they can't find any weapons on this planet because the, the planet again has been based on peace and love for millennia. So she finds some energy sculptures and she recrafts them in her, into her big giant, an energy version of her big giant hammer and, and takes out, uh, uh, takes out some, some baddies and just a lot of fun, man. It's just one of those things where I've talked about this a week or two ago. Comedy is so much more subjective than any other type of storytelling. And so your mileage may vary, but for some reason, uh, Palmiotti and Connor have always, I've always found them very funny and they just seem to be in a groove right now where all three of these books are, I think, top notch reads. And, um, yeah, so I never would have thought I'd see the day where I looked forward to reading two different Harley Quinn books in the same month, but they're sure as hell two at the top of my DC stack every time that they come in. So highly recommended. Yeah, really, really good. I have to say, I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's still the first arc and, and it's, the arc isn't completed, but it's, it's, Hella entertaining. And I will say, um, I, I don't, I think they've been very smart in their choice of artists to go with the stuff. You know, uh, Ch- Chad, Chad Harden does the, the, the main Harley book and it's phenomenal. I'm still trying to come up with some OA from him. Um, uh, Emanuela Lupacino does the Starfire book. And then, um, and as I said, uh, Stefan Rue along with a, a more tad as a fill in have done the Harley Quinn Power Girl book. And while they're all distinctive, they all are in that same classic artistic hallway as, as Connor. Right. And I think that that's, it's really fitting because they, it, 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 you can get lost in the fact that you could almost think that this is a book where Amanda's drawing it and, and Jimmy's writing it, which has happened a lot over the years, but so really smart choices with the artwork. Um, and again, look, I, the one thing I'll say, and this probably isn't a problem for most of our listenership, but, but, but just in case, these are titillating books. These are books that take some pleasure in, in the sexual nature of these characters and, and silliness of that. And, uh, and so if you're sort of so 
if that turns you off, if you're really not into that and can't see it for what it is and view it as exploitative, then you wouldn't want to avoid these books. But if you're into fun and sex... (laughs) <laughs> if you don't hate fun, yeah, if you enjoy if breathing, you, if you if you enjoy <laughs> sexuality and, and aren't a eunuch, then uh, these are a blast. I think so. So this is these are part of the reason Vince I cringed when you said DC has only got three good books because there there are I think there right now there are quite a few good books and these three um, I haven't talked about Starfire. I'll probably maybe do that next week, but I think all three are just a, a blast. I'll Each try to one read that for next week too. Yeah, it's really well, that's, that's cool. I mean, um, I'm obviously not reading them. Try to I did, get you the Justice League. Yeah, I, I did read the the uh, the Power Girl miniseries back in Infinite Crisis, and I did enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But Harley Quinn is a very hard sell with me. I think it's maybe it's like the Deadpool for me. I just think that the it's 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 just. It's their writing makes makes her hilarious. I, I think she can be really annoying when she's the Mr. J kind of character that you see in a lot of the bad right. books. But right. she's not this in these books. She's an independent woman trying to make the uh, you know trying to find her way in Coney Island where she owns a building and she's part of a, a roller rink group and it's just mad. It's just it's just nonstop hijinks and just hilarity and and again silly characters and play on words and double entendres and it's just again it's very funny and it's it, it's more credit to. I, it, this is really very much about Connor and Palmiotti, more, more so than the characters. They, they, these are just Power Girl and, and Harley Quinn happen to be two vessels that they're very comfortable with. But I, I think this is more a testament to these, these guys could write any character, and I think I'd find it enjoyable and funny. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a testament to the creative team because um, individually, I think they're all very strong creators. I, I love Palmiotti and Gray's. Jonah Hex. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of my my favorite comics ever. I really like the way Amanda Connor draws. I think Harden's really good. It's just the title character does nothing for me. Um, even back in the day, Mad Love, I worship the art, the story, and the character. They fall flat for mm-hmm. me. I just I don't see what the appeal of Harley Quinn is. I don't I, I don't get it. Maybe I'm missing something. Oh I yeah, the uh, since. Jason is a fan of the character because of what these creators are doing. I, I need what at New York, we need to see if anybody's got back issues of the, um, the, the Kessel Dodson run from a few years ago. It, it was a, it was a short run series. It ended at 32 or 33. Um, but that was, th- this sounds very similar to, what they did and, and yeah and so mm-hmm. i need to and i the few issues of harley quinn i've read i really enjoyed after you were talking about it. i need to get back to that and i will uh i'll definitely try this miniseries because i do i i am a fan of um of the character you do yeah you, you would like this for sure uh boo. It, it's uh it, it's it's just pure fun pure fun oh listen i'm cringing at <laughs> what's the matter uh, i'm not I, i'm not saying i wouldn't enjoy it but getting me to turn the knob to open that door mm-hmm. is is the hard part. Well, look, you I, like to slob the knob. I mean, so that's, right, yeah, that's knob, what it is. You know? That's what it yeah. is. All right, um, I'm gonna give you guys an option here. Uh oh. Okay. Okay. Would you like to hear about Marvel Zombies Five or the most disturbing book I've ever read? There you go. The snow contest. Yeah, yeah I, figured, not, I figured. I figured. I figured as much. 
Um, I reread this for this episode, uh, thanks to the recently published all-in-one hardcover edition. Uh, I have the individual volumes. It's something I like to reread every year mm-hmm. just to remind myself how good horror comics can get. Mm-hmm. Um, it is by Junji Ito, and it is called Uzumaki. And like I said, um, as I was reading it this time, I was thinking, now, now what have I read in all my years that can affect, that affected me more than Uzumaki? And I'm going through and I'm thinking, Crossed? Uh, I mean, Crossed is pretty extreme and pretty disturbing, but there, the entirety of Uzumaki is really exceptionally disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a combination of the writing, the inventiveness of the uh, situations in which Ito uh, injects his characters. It's also a product of the artwork, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It is it, – it, it, uh, to put it in, in one sentence, it is the perfect Lovecraftian book. There are things going on here, and it's based on a very simple premise – There are things going on in this book that will, if you haven't read it, shock you, deeply shock you. And it's, it's, it's like the, um, the head spinning scene in The Exorcist or, I mean, any number of scenes in which you remember years and years and years after you've seen them, Uzumaki will never leave you. And there, there will be a shred of this book with you forever should you choose to read it. Um, like I said, the premise is really simple. It is about a coastal town in Japan, and aren't they all in Japan? Uh, the, the name of the town is Kurozucho, um, and it's a town that's infected by spirals. What does that mean? Was that infected by spirals? What? There are characters um, who are obsessed with the concept of the spiral, and it starts off very slowly. Uh, you have Suichi Sato who goes to school in a different town and he likes that very much, thank you very much, because he hates Kurosucho. He, he realizes, and he's, he's the only character initially to do so, he realizes that there's something very, very wrong with this place. Um, and he says that he claims that the, the, the city's inf- infected with spirals and his father has a spiral fetish. Anything with a spiral pattern on it just completely um, captures his attention to the point where he can't do anything else but stare at the spiral. He stops going to work. Uh, he starts collecting things with the spiral pattern on it, umbrellas, uh, pottery, dishes, whatever, uh, patterns, uh, f- you know, clothing with the spiral. And, and he has a room just littered with all these objects that have the spiral pattern on it, and he spends most of his time in this room. What the hell is going on? Um, uh, there's a female component to this, uh, Suichi's girlfriend, whose name is Kiri, Kiri, I believe. Uh, it's key, it's K-I-R-I-E. So it's either Kiri or Kirie. And, um, she's, she's basically our eyes in this book. Um, he introduces her to the problem. He says, something's not right. Look at my dad. He's fucked up. 
He's he's not going to work. All he does is spirals. And she's like, yeah, I I saw him in an alleyway the other day staring at a snail. Like the, the pattern on the snail shell. It's like this, the, he has a problem. Well, the, the problem sp- spirals, no pun intended, out of control when the uh, Suichi and his mother eventually find his father coiled in this this uh, bath with a lid. It's like a, a personal bath that has this this removable lid. The father somehow coiled himself in a spiral pattern in this circular bath and that's where they find him and the mother's completely freaked out about it like and then the spiral pathogen um we don't know uh initially if it's an emotional virus or if it's some cerebral thing or if it's actually a physical thing that infects these people or if even if it's supernatural you, you eventually find out but um she wants nothing to do with spirals to the point where Everything in, in nature or in her surroundings that bears the spiral pattern makes her freak out. And when you think about it, there's a lot more spirals in nature than, than we, and like if, if I name something with a spiral, you may get a couple, but there are tons of sh- things that, that have the spiral pattern on it. She sees someone's curly hair that has a spiral and she freaks out. So therefore, um, her son and, uh, his girlfriend start wearing hats. Around here, she's eventually incarcerated in a hospital, and she sh- shears off her hair, and she's going really down the deep end. And uh, she's talking to the doctor, and as they're talking, behind her is an uh, anatomy uh, poster, and Suichi sees it, but no one else does. And there's a part with the inner ear, and the cochlea is on there, and he's like, "I can't have my mother see this," but eventually. Uh, the father somehow comes to her. She's nuts. Um, whether he actually physically or, or spiritually came to her or whether it was a spiral, you don't really know. And it doesn't really matter, but he tells her, you have a spiral in your ear. And she's like, what? And she's asking the doctor, do we have spirals in our ears? And, and he knows now what, what's affecting this woman and he knows not to say. But she eventually digs out her inner ear with the scissors mm, to get the, to get this, to get the spiral out of her ear. It, it's horrific. And that is, that is the very least horrific thing that happens in this book. Um, people turn into snails. And it sounds ludicrous when to say it, but there's this one character in the school who's extremely slow and he eventually morphs into a snail and he has the shell with the spiral pattern on it. There's a lighthouse in the vicinity that has a spiral staircase in it and the lighthouse eventually, which was decommissioned long ago, the lighthouse eventually begins to blast the light. Um, on su- at sundown and the light spirals out of the, out of the, 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 the bulb and the, the spiral of the, the actual lighthouse spirals, right? With the, the bulb spins. So there's a spiral. There's, um, two lovers whose family hate each other and there's a spiral component to that. It is extremely friggin' disturbing. I can't even tell you the most horrific things because I'd spoil the book for you, but rest assured, you have never, if you've never read this, you have not seen anything like this book. 
the, and it's all a credit to Ito. Some of the, um, situations, they seem so ludicrous at first. Like there's a girl whose, um, hair, she wants to be very popular and she wants people to notice her. And, um, Kyrie's hair starts to curl at one point without her. And, and it just spirals. Her hair starts to spiral. And the other girl's like, damn you, I want to be popular. Why can't my hair look like that? You're getting tons of attention. And, her hair starts to spiral and it sounds ridiculous when you, you know, open air, it sounds nuts. But when you see it on paper and what happens, oh my God, it will freak your ass out. Seriously. Um, uh, Kiri's father is a, a potter. And how do you make pottery? You, you throw it on a wheel, right? What does the wheel do? Uh, it spins. It spins. And, um, when when uh Suichi's father dies, I guess because land is at such a, a premium in Japan, they don't well at least this town, they're not accustomed to burying their dead. They 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 burn them. And when the father is cremated, the ashes emerge from the smokestack and they spiral up into the sky in a spiral pattern, and the father's face is seen screaming. In the spiral, and when you see the way Ito has rendered this, you will never, ever, never forget it. I don't know if he used, it's not ink. I don't know if he used Conti crayon or charcoal or whatever he used. He worked the hell out of it because it is the most disconcerting image, one of the most I've ever seen on the comic page. I, 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 you think I'm laying this on thick? You have no idea. You need to see this book. This book is a masterpiece by far. I mean, I can't think of anything next to maybe Beset and Total Bin's Swamp Thing that even comes close to the disturbing quality this book has. And it's not really explicit. There's not, you know, dicks getting chopped off like in Crossed or, you know, that kind of explicit Ness. This is all, it, it's horror, but it's, it's more, it's more felt by the marks and the way, you know, just the way he threw this ink and, and, and whatever else he used on the paper and the situations he, he manipulates his characters into then the explicit, explicitness of say something like, you know, rights and swamp thing or crossed, which is, which are great on their own, but they don't even come close to, to really how visceral and unsettling Uzumaki is. It is insane how, how the level this book plummets to. I, I, if I could reproduce this, I would be a happy freaking man because this is really, this is art that reaches out from the page and just like shakes you to the core. It's unparalleled in, in, in my estimation. Have you either, either of you read this? Um, no, you talked about it uh, before, and I, so I actually have some of it, uh, but I, I, I haven't read it, so no. There's a girl who has a, 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 a scar on her forehead of a, a crescent moon, and she's pretty much irresistible to men. She's very pretty, but uh, she attributes her irresistibleness to the scar, giving her the power over men. Uh, honey, in any way you want to explain it, whatever. <laughs> but at some point in the in the chapter, the scar becomes a spiral and proceeds to do things that you've pretty much never seen 
on the comic page. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Yeah, it's 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 extremely affecting. Um, the uh, book was published by um, it's Viz Media, and what they've thankfully done is they've collected. I believe it was three volumes when originally published, two or three. Mm-hmm. They've they've collected everything in a beautiful hardcover edition, preserving the uh, initial color pages that um, in in the serialized manga volume. Sometimes they'll colorize the first four or six pages just to put a nice spin on it. Right. Um, in the and they've preserved those color pages for this volume and it's hardcover and it's only $27.99 so when you figure if this was published in three volumes manga these days is $12.99 a volume so you're actually making out better uh, by buying the hardcover plus you don't have to hunt individual volumes down it's all in one it's not one piece where you're going to have to read 73 volumes or whatever to get to that I'm not joking one piece is that far along Um, volumes to get the whole story it's everything you need in this book. And if you like horror, if you like disturbing comics, like I, you know me, I love to be shaken. I love to be, have my face just pushed in uncomfortable situations because it, it makes you feel. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, Spider-Man beating up Doc Ock is awesome on a level, but this is on a totally different, uh, I don't want to say plateau because that implies, you know, uh, forward, an upward motion. This is a descent, man. Right. Y- you know, y- nothing's gonna pull you down like Uzumaki. Nothing. Yeah. Sounds it's, awesome, it's, actually. It, it it is a masterpiece. I think you have to be yeah, in the right mood for it, but it sounds like it's definitely something that. Uh, oh, you yeah. yeah it, it it's perfect for this time of year, and and that's usually when I save it to read. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I love my horror, but in October, <laughs> come on. Um, there is a movie. Uh, came out in 2000. It's, it pretty much, uh, delineates the, the thing verbatim. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you read the, if you read the manga, you're not going to be all that surprised in the movie. It, it, it preserves all of the, the scares and the, uh, the uncomfortableness. Um, it's not on IMDb if you're curious. I don't know why. Um, but it does exist. Came out in 2000 and it's, it's not bad if you want to search it out. Um, but uh, be warned, you will need subtitles because it is Japanese. So cool. There are people who don't like subtitles. I don't know many, but you know they're out there. Crazy, cray, cranky. Yeah. What else we have? What else we have? Um, the hell, I. Um... Yeah, I did catch up on um all the uh no, not all the Star Wars stuff, but the 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 main the main Star Wars book, the flagship. And that man, I wish Stuart was on it from jump. <laughs> uh, you're not yeah. holy you're shit. Not, and yeah, and, and we can good. now we can now add him to the list we had on last week about artists who are really, really good at drawing licensed mm-hmm. properties. Uh between the ships and the um and just the faces. I mean his, his Leia is awesome. The Han is just that's like it was just flawless for with 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 the movie. Uh but the story so eight and nine. Issue seven was uh oh, you read up, you read up to I nine. read up to nine. Um 
issue seven was the uh, was the standalone somewhat of a felon issue by um Simone Bianchi where it was It wasn't bad. It wasn't. It wasn't yeah, it was not bad at it, all. It it was fitting. It it was it was a neat little bridge between uh the first six and and the last two that we now have the um but it was it was a Ben story and it was a um with a little bit of Luke thrown in and then you have um eight and nine and nine has a oh snap no they didn't cameo yeah i was elated when that face showed up and uh and and a pretty kick-ass almost like the uh the 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 uh the bro at the gym working out Jabba Hut kind of guy, uh, Graka the Hut. And he, he's got, uh, he's got little, um, mechanical, not like Mojo, yeah. but he's almost yeah. like a scorpion. He's got little mechanical mm-hmm. legs to move him around. Uh, but the dude is, is, is Jack, bro. He is, he's got, but the necklace he's got, too. and yeah, the necklace full of lightsabers. He looks like a big old Guido, but it is who works out, <laughs> but he, he's got the, uh, I'd be all right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But he is all, he's got like a, you've never seen a job, you've never seen a hut with a six pack, but this dude. So, um, Luke is doing his thing. He's on a mission. He's looking for, uh, for any sign of, of, uh, Jedi life. And, uh, and, and Han and Leia are dealing with this so-called wife that, uh, that, that Han has never mentioned ever. And not, not that uh, it, it's not a, I'm, I'm not so, uh, how many, conversations would would han and leia have where um because at this stage there any tension is is you know because they're always arguing with each other but mm-hmm. if, if anybody was going to act on anything i think that would have come up earlier than than this but in any case it's um but but the uh uh santa is is going to uh she knows that the princess is uh is is Empire enemy number one and and needs uh, so that's going to be her ticket out of there. But she uh, she misreads Han's uh, dealings in all of this, and it it really it's it's crazy. It it reminds me of of breaking Leia out of the detention uh, level and and falling mm-hmm. into the guard. It just it's that it, it's not madcap. It's just it's it's one. Uh, it's almost like a comedy errors. It's just you, he, he's trying to have a conversation with her. Leia's like, you know, you two deserve each other. She's trying to leave and everybody's having everybody's moment, whatever's going on in their head. That's the most important thing at the time. Nobody is, everybody's doing a lot of yelling. No one's doing a lick of listening. And, and, uh, it's just, it, it makes the issue go by. So fast. There's a lot happening and it's, it's, I'm not saying it's a wordy bitch, but there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to read, but the issue goes by so fast because, because Aaron just nails the, he's, he's got that, the spirit of, of that universe. He just, it, everything just clicks. I, I am really, really happy. Mm-hmm. I'm more happy now, but I'm, I'm really happy with the, um, with the main Star Wars book. It just, you know, kind of shame on you just a little bit. I mean, I know you were thinking it, but you should have said it. Big props to Grob Badger too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because this team, um, 
of uh, Eminem and uh, Von Crabadger. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's no, amazing. True, true. Oh. They just it, it... yeah, it it's it it, it removes the uh, somewhat um, aftertaste yeah. of of the first couple bunch of issues. Yes, yeah, big time. No, I am. Uh, I I definitely, and you know what? Then I I'd even say you, you get the crawl on the first page at the beginning. You really don't need to worry about. I mean, yeah, you may want to know why, um, why either Han and Leia are on this planet, and what Luke is doing, looking for Jedi. But you can kind of skip the first six issues. It's kind of. Yeah. I mean, it, it's right. Yeah, it sets the stage, but it was it, that was that kind of, and and I I, I blame the art for that. That felt like something that was never going to end. It's like, I, there was just, it was very, I thought the story was, the story was fine, but it, it, there was no, um, it, there was no sense. It was a chore. Yeah. It was just, it it was, it it was hard to, to look at, to get through. Um, if Aaron wanted to just, you know, audibly tell you the story, that'd be great. But the, uh, they should have used action figures. Just take pictures <laughs> just of the action figures. Like the old Wizards mm. Toy Fairs. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, but no, I definitely, uh, definitely recommend Star Wars. You need to be reading it. And it's, it's, uh, it's between, it's, it's after episode four. We haven't gotten episode five yet. And we, um, and I, it's, it's not confusing at all because this, uh, Shattered Empire takes place Minutes after episode six, I don't know. Um, I'm guessing Lando is is between five and six. I haven't. Uh, I've only read the first issue so far. I have the last couple, so I, I need to get back to that too. Um, and same thing with Leia. But yeah, no, I you you cannot go wrong right now with the uh, with the current Star Wars book. Mm-mm, no, and that last page of nine. Wow. I mean. I, I won't, I don't want to say exactly. Oh, who's yeah, on, yeah, yeah. But, um, you have, I can't even say it, but you have very different, um, substances mm-hmm. on the last page and they're both rendered beautifully. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Just beautifully. And you, you definitely get, this is something that these characters, well, one in particular, but this is something that these characters would say. You, you just, you, and you hear it. You hear that voice and mm-hmm. no, I mean, even with the, oh dear, you just, it's, it, it's fantastic. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that, uh, I guess maybe a little, a little, little hurt that, uh, they didn't have, uh, Akbar say it's a trap. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it was right there because i know he could have said it like you know they're like all right well we got to rescue skywalker she's like and and my mouth was like yeah i don't I, it, it really doesn't it doesn't factor into however many people or planets skywalker saved i i cannot sacrifice resources or men to save this one guy from a situation that 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 he caused himself, and uh, and then that sets up the page of Vince is talking about, and and uh, I'm, I am stoked for that for that rescue mission. No, it's it's and you know yeah you know the outcome, you know the band's gonna get together by the time they get 
to Ice Planet Hoth. You know where these stories are going, but it's, it's, in this case, it is absolutely the journey. You just, I, you don't know what happens in the months between movies and, and here, and if you read the Marvel books, yeah, there were some stories there, but this is, uh, because this is the new canon and, and we'll see, uh, how it all, all works out. I, but I need to see how we get in between from one movie to the next and, and they're doing, they're doing a bang up job. Yeah. Justin Ponser on colors too. Really, really smart colors. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I, nicely done. Cause normally I, I, for some reason I think of like Laura Martin or somebody on, on Eminem and, and Von Gorbacher. Who did, did Ponser also do the, uh, the Captain America book they were on? I'd have to uh, check. But I don't remember. I'm not sure. And Eminem draws a, Almost attractive Mon Moth. Yes. Because, I mean, I think out of all the Star Wars characters, she is sometimes depicted as like... Rather manly. Like, yeah! Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly what I... Good point. Very manly, but... Manly. And there is, there, there is some of that here. She's very stern, very hawkish looking, but she's attractive as well. Yeah. True, yeah, true. Good, good stuff. I'm... I shouldn't be surprised... That Marvel's doing such good things with Star Wars. No, you shouldn't be. I, I I do have a soft spot for the Dark Horse stuff. I was going to say, I think, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out of Dark Horse. Yeah, the the only thing I I regret about this whole thing is that it, uh, revisionist history has people acting like somehow the Marvel stuff is like demonstrably better than the, the Dark Horse stuff. And I just don't think that's true. I mean, I I think the, the, the stuff that Gabriel and, and, and Karina did was great. I think the stuff that Brian Wood did was great. I just think there's a lot of good stuff that was done. The, uh, the The first arc, notwithstanding, it just, it, it makes smart business sense to put heavy hitters on a Star Wars book, Mm -hmm. especially in, in the moments surrounding your acquisition of the franchise. So yeah, the books are going to be great. Um, scratching my head on that first arc, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but that's you know don't discount everything that came out of Dark Horse. There was some oh, really great books. Mm-hmm. Mahmoud did the uh, that Qui Gon uh, miniseries. He drew that. Yeah. That looked amazing. That's right. It was yeah. great stuff. I was looking at Dynamo Five the other day. Oh. Mahmoud has. Co- I mean, not to say Dynamo Five. Seriously. I mean, it's good stuff. Yeah, no, but the Mahmoud and Dynamo Five is the Padawan. And the guy that's drawing the Marvel stuff now, man, he is, just to keep it in Star Wars uh, terms, he is the Jedi, man. He is doing such great stuff. Oh, yeah. Dude, and when you when you see those those, those commissions he does, it's like, oh. it's just, it's like, <laughs> I can't even describe it. And it's no coincidence that in that stack that he had, they're all, all women. Yeah. He just oh, draws no the women, man. Yeah. And I really, I really dug the Dynamo Five. I mean, I was. Yeah. That's, I remember. Actually, I remember he was. Um, he was interviewed on CGS. I mean, back when. I mean, this was when he just started Dynamo Five, and I remember. I remembered him because you know he was from Turkey and he had an accent. It was his first work, and and uh, and and we. I think we met him at the first New York Comic Con, and he had mm-hmm. done a. He he did a Deadpool commission for me. It was one of the first commissions I ever got. It was actually that was the first year I ever got artwork at a commission. I mean, at a convention. And, uh, to your point, I mean, he's, he, I, I loved his stuff then, but, but it is like with all artists, I think you go back and look and where he was good then. And, and, and a guy that was exciting cause he was new. I mean, now he's like, just drop, yep. drop the mic master of his craft. Seriously. Yep. 
And by and the way, pa- like- Paolo's rep, uh, his art rep now. Paolo. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. There's a glimmer. You could see the style to come um, in the women, particularly. Mm-hmm. It's 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 faint, but it's there. Right, but, and then right. when you look at his stuff now, it's like, oh my god. True that. He's he's incredible, incredible talent. We'll get him on. The and show. a nice guy too. Yeah, he you absolutely know? is. Yeah, you get these guys that that blow up, and you you know, there's a little bit of standoffishness to them. Mahmoud is amazingly cordial. I know it's like it's, it's like a Scottish like, guy, you know. It's like I get well, I hate that don't up, laugh. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty Young guy. Uh, good going, Scotty. Yeah, that's true. Good going. It's our boy. He is. Love that man. All right. Um, if there is no further business, we will get on with. Um, the in your travel. We're on a tight ship tonight. Ah, some, I'm figuring some frog tape to do later. No, I love the frog tape. Uh, I love you both for telling me too. Um, if you want to get your comics dirt cheap, who doesn't? Head on over to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Once you click that button and you see these, the array of specials available to you, you're going to be like, why would I ever go anywhere else? I don't know. From Z2 Comics, Carver, Paris Story, $2.19. Dark Knight 3 is going to blow up the house. Master Race number one <laughs> of eight. Either um, $2.99 or $6.49, 50% off. And the EC Archives from Dark Horse. This time around, it's Panic. Hardcover Volume 1, your price $24.99. I mentioned it before. Um, I had this on my stack for a long time. And just got around to reading it now. Um, written by one of my all-time faves, and I think it's pretty safe to say that, Mr. Fred Van Lenty. The art on this is by Cano, Mike Kaluda, Felix Ruiz, Fernando Blanco, Frank Bruner, Tom Palmer did the inks, along with Alvaro Lopez. Michael Kaluta, Felix Ruiz, and Fernando Blanco. It is Marvel Zombies number five, the fifth iteration in the Marvel mm-hmm. Zombies series. What makes this one so special? Well, um, Morbius purports that, hey, this zombie incursion thing is happening multiverse-wide. There are There are different universes in which these zombies are popping up in various forms. You know what we should do? We should get samples from every one of these multiverses and compare them, and maybe we can come to some kind of conclusion as to what's causing this, and maybe we can, you know, tamp it out. So he sends um, his agents, um, it's, it's a black ops project, he sends his armor agents out to uh, acquisition some of these samples. And who are the agents? Well, it's X-51 and Howard the Duck. How could you not love How this? How could you not? How? Seriously. I know there are people who say the Marvel Zombies concept is played out. I don't think so. I think there is much more. Um, it, I don't want to say life because it doesn't fit the concept. Eh. There's much more undead left to the, to the Marvel Zombies uh, formula. Um, so Howard and X-51, they go multiverse hopping, and they run into a bevy 
of Marvel characters, not the least of which is Kill Raven and his Martian posse. Um, they also hop into the Western genre where, and it's really smartly done. Um, there's, uh, Two Gun Kid, or Kid Colt, sorry, they all blur. Kid Colt has been shot. And as the uh, narrative progresses, we see Kid Colt in the background in a coffin with a glass cover. And it says, Genuine Kid Colt Outlaw Killed in... Um, can't make it out. But anyway, you can get your picture taken with Kid Colt for five bucks. Nice. And, and he's all dead in the coffin. And then later on in the story, you see that very same coffin, but the glass has been broken. Oh. And it, and, it, and it plays into the story. And this Wild West version of Tony Stark gets himself eaten. Mm. And it's great. Um, there are Western heroes aplenty that have been zombified. And they're called Romeros. <laughs> and in, in, in another issue, yes, but in another issue, there are undead called Raimis. Uh, See where they're going with yes, this? Yes, sir. But X-51 is all, you know, despondent because Jocasta dumped them. And that also plays into the story as well. Um, there are zombie babies which rip themselves from their mother's bellies. Lovely. And pres- Proceed to it. Hey, it's Marvel zombies. What do you want? The Black Knight is in here. Oh, breaking out on their own. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Getting stabbed. Exactly. No, no. Exactly. Um, and, and I don't, he wasn't credited, but Sienkiewicz has some art in this series All as right. well. Why was he not credited on the, the page? That's, That's just question. ridiculous. That is ridiculous. But anyway, um, who else is in this thing? Uh, Thor shows up, but that's neither here nor there. The Iron Man of 2020. Jeff Darrow has a cover image. And there's a really neat piece at the end. Um, it doesn't end with a bang, uh, uncharacteristically. It ends kind of with a whimper with one zombie. And he's a comic fanboy. And he basically saves his universe by not succumbing to the uh, pitfalls that normally affect zombies you know must eat everything in sight he kind of toughs it out and in doing so saves his universe but um howard has asks many of the same questions that i ask Mm -hmm. when i when i'm fronted by the zombie um genre howard says why if zombies are ravenously hungry do they leave enough of their victims uneaten to become more zombies doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. And he says, if humans are zombies' food, why don't zombies die once most of the people have been eaten? Mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Um, and most of all, considering the way bodies decompose after death, wouldn't all zombies one day just rot away? Or, like, through rigor mortis, just stop moving? I mean, you you, you have to... Well, that's how it happens in Max Brooks when he, t- when he talks right. to you. You gotta suspend a whole bunch of disbelief mm-hmm. for the zombie genre. And, and Fred Van Lente knows that. And he, and through Howard, he, you know, he pokes fun at the very genre in which he's writing. I, I don't know. I still love Marvel's. You movies. heard. You, you guys unfortunately do not, but I do. Okay. So there, That's in important. keeping with the, right, in keeping with the spirit of the uh, season, Marvel Zombies number five or, or volume five. Respect. 
Sorry. The beer. It's creeping up on me. Who's next? Uh, well, I read the first issue and I have the second and third all, all lined up and, um, there's a, uh, a little place called Steel Harbor, USA. Mm? Ooh, mm-hmm. nice. Home to a bounty hunting rock bar owner. And this character was created by Chris Warner. Oh, 20 years ago at least. At least, yeah. right? Stay away from the movie. Uh, yes. Uh, this would be barbed wire. Yep. Still written by Chris Warner. I love the pencils and inks by Patrick Olif and Tom Nguyen. Olif is doing some fantastic work here. Mm-hmm. He always he does. always does, but this the, I, this this team just is there's nothing uh, they they definitely don't take any shortcuts and and oh. and aren't looking to do the easy way out. Barbed wire is uh, quite fetching. There's uh, there's just I was never really of of all the um, dark horse uh, heroes. The, uh, barbed wire was the one I really, same thing with Ghost. Never really got into, into either of them. Right. Uh, um, I enjoyed X in the beginning. Uh, I, I, there were, there were a few that, that, that I kind of stuck with. But yeah, for some reason I just, I don't know what it was, but barbed wire wasn't one that, uh, that I really connected with. But I, um, I might look them up if they're anything like, these first few issues of, of this new title, but, uh, no, I, you know, you can, about three issues out now, it's, it's very easy to, uh, to jump in and, and catch up. There's, uh, it's just not your ordinary, uh, everyday superhero comic book or, uh, or any of the, um, inner ear pulling outs that Vince was talking about earlier. There's just, there's, there's, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's action and, and there's, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's only violent because there are bar fights and there are people trying to get away from her who were, um, it fits the character. Exactly. So it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, and, and the, and the bar has some crazy characters showing up. Oh, the bar's great. Yeah. It's, uh, and she's, so I'm di- she's wearing a Slayer I'm t-shirt. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And if you haven't read King Tiger, which is also is part one, yeah. of, of the, the comics greatest world, um, back in the day, they re- have revived King Tiger again. I think there's two issues to date. If you haven't read them, I'll give them to you. It's really good. Cool. Okay. Yeah. It's as good. I think it's as good as barbed wire. Okay. Yeah. But Olaf, man, I don't understand what it is when when he was on um Untold Tales. Uh, no, uh, Dark Horse was it Dark Horse tried to revive the Gold Key characters, Mighty Samson. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, Olaf was on um I think Mighty Samson, and I'm just like, why is nobody reading this? This thing is beautiful. It, they didn't. That went over like a lead balloon. The uh, those things. But anyway, he is not wasted here. No. He is, um, Amazing. Yeah. 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 Always a favorite. I love this guy. Yep. He did the, uh, he did some, uh, 
52 DC work. I think he did the, um, when, uh, Black Adam took on the world and, and, uh, killed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. I think he did that, uh, that bi-weekly, uh, or weekly miniseries tying into, it was like 52 Aftermath. But yeah. No, he's, he's oh. great. Nice. Classic. We, uh, we didn't get to talk about any news, but I wanted to give a shout out because I was particularly excited at the news, um, that, um, Tanahasi Coates has been hired by Marvel to yes. write a year long epic Black Panther reboot. And, um, that was really surprising, but in a great way. Um, and I think they have, you know, Marvel and DC fairly or unfairly have gotten uh, plenty of criticism um, about their lack of diversity, followed by what I think some people claim is a faux lack of new diversity. Um, and again, I'm not, I don't want to get into that and say that it's fair or unfair. I think some of the criticism is fair of that, but, but either way, um, I think it is awesome that they have uh, given Coates the mantle because it just was surprising for me. Um, I just read last month uh, uh, Between the World and Me, which is his second book, and um, it's essentially an essay. He's a 39-year-old uh, uh, black man, and he's his essay. It's a, the book Between the World and Me is essentially a letter to his son about being black in America. And, um, I would say without, I know this is a comics podcast, but, but if he, it's, it's not hyperbole to say that, uh, that, uh, is, is, is at 39 years old, I think legitimately one of the, you know, top five American, um, uh, voices when it comes to, um, social and race relations. I mean, he's, 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 def- he's earned that reputation. So first of all, I would. Seth, I, I was going to ask you because mm-hmm. I'm completely ignorant mm-hmm. about about this person. I was wondering mm-hmm. why, what makes him special, and why this is so exciting to have him on Black Panther. But now I know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it it's basically this. It's a timely book, right? I mean, he's he's a he's a he's he's a columnist for the Atlantic, um, writes tons of articles okay. for the Atlantic. But but this uh, and it, but I haven't read his first book. But again, Between the World and Me has kind of gone. It's, it's, it's broken through, you know, the ceiling, right? It's lots and lots of people are reading this book that wouldn't naturally, I think, be drawn to the subject matter. Um, it's, it's transcended and, and deservedly so. It's a, it's a, and it's a book look, I mean, again, to be blunt, uh, you know, as a, as a 40 year old white man, um, you know, it, it, the book is going to assault you, like with some, some truths or some realities or at least some, some ways of looking at the world that perhaps would make you uncomfortable, but, but I think are important for people to really, again, if you're, if you really, if you tell yourself that you're open-minded, I think you need to expose yourself to, to divergent viewpoints. All that aside, I didn't, in reading, uh, Coates' book, I, I didn't know that he was a comic book fan, but he's a diehard, lifelong Marvel Comics fan. And so he is going to do a year-long run on Black Panther and, uh, as if that wasn't enough, which to be excited about, he's got a certain man named Brian Stelfreeze to do the art. Oh, yes. I'm giddy. So, no. I mean, I'm already going to say that this book has got a good shot of winning Eisner's next year. I mean, I, I just, I think that, that, that is, it's a perfect setup. I mean, I think it's, it's a legendary creator who we don't get to see that often on the art, art side with, uh, one of America's great young political voices 
writing a character that's perfectly suited for his perspectives. So, man, I'm stoked about that. So, I guess in your travels, be on the lookout for that. There's probably be in next month's previews of the month after and pre-order that joint. I thought but it was uh, spring 2016. Oh well, there you go. So I guess I'm 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 a little over I'm a little overzealous about it, but it's be on good. the lookout for it. We'll remind you. Um, but if if Marvel's smart, they'll do it up um, like they did the Stephen King books initially and do the the cardstock cover with the you know meaty back matter. Right. If this guy's a great as writer as you say. Give them a, a platform. Put lots of back matter in it. Give somebody, you know, value for the yeah, dollar. Yeah, I'm going to buy it. No, it's great. And in the meantime, if you want to read something now, um, as I hinted at the beginning of the of the podcast, I um, I finally, after months of having to do a lot of fantasy football stuff and not really having a lot of extra time, I finally was able to uh, go through my Rajan pile and and sort the last few months of books that I've been receiving every week from DCBS and, and not, not reading. And, um, as part of that, I've now been pouring through a lot of the battle world crossovers. Um, some of which we've talked about, or it's more specifically, you know, David and you have talked about it in other weeks, but one that we really haven't talked about. And, uh, it's one of the ones that I was most looking forward to when they announced them all, um, was a force. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I read the entirety of A-Force thus far up to date and, uh, and it's, it's, it, it is one of several that have been announced to be a new ongoing book coming out of, of, uh, of Secret Wars as well. The all new, all different Marvel world. So, uh, I definitely, I enjoyed the hell of it and talk about artists who have leveled up. Jorge Molina, holy yeah. Christ. I mean, I enjoyed his stuff on X-Men. But it was a little bit kind of in between, uh, like um, he was sort of in between a love child of, of Byrne and 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 uh, and Umberto Ramos, and I don't think they necessarily those two styles necessarily are perfectly fed to one another. Um, but but he is definitely another artist that has gone from from good, certainly good enough to be on a big Marvel book to I think now reached a point where I I. I, uh, no pun intended, marveled at his work page by page. I, I think his stuff is beautiful. Um, I'm not going to quite say it's Jimmy Chung who does the covers, but it's because you guys know how much I love Chung, but boy, I, was I impressed with his artwork. And it's, um, as with all Battle World stories, it's set in, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, you know, the offshoot components. This, in this, in this case, um, they are all on an island. Uh, together. And I should say the book is written by G. Willow Wilson and Marguerite Bennett. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it, it got some notoriety when they announced it because it's, it's been, it was billed as the first all female team of Avengers. Um, and that is what it is. So they're on a, an, uh, a, basically a very peaceful, normal island called Arcadia. And, uh, they are, uh, things are good there. It's, it's, it's one of the more benign, normal human parts of Battleworld. And, Unfortunately for them, right across the wall is the Marvel Zombies universe. <laughs> yes. So, so, um, <laughs> of course that gets Vince giddy. Um, but the team is led by She-Hulk. She is the, um, what do they call the, not the sheriff, what do they call the leaders of these, of these battle world? They call them barons. She's the baron. Yes. She's the baron of this, of this, uh, of this land. And she's benevolent and her team is, um, it's got a whole bunch of people, but there, there's, uh, there's, uh, let's see, there's Captain Marvel, uh, you know, Carol Danvers. There's Dazzler, Allison Blair, Jean Grey. There's the female Loki. There is, uh, Medusa. Um, 
uh, Miss America, who for America Chavez from the McKelvey uh, Gillen incarnation of Young Avengers. Um, Pixie, uh, there's a new character, really cool, called Singularity, and she's mm-hmm. actually a pocket universe brought given sentience, which I think That's is freaking. awesome, super cool. Yeah. Um, uh, Nico, uh, from Runaways, yep. uh, is, is on it. There's a bunch of others. Um, Monica. She Hulk? She Hulk's the leader. She's the Baron. She's the, yeah. she's, um, Spider Woman, um, uh, Monica Rambo from, uh, uh Next Wave fame and, and of course, old school Avengers fame. Bunch of others too. But, but the, the point is, is things are going well. Everything's cool. And then a giant, uh, there are portals opening up though that are causing havoc. Portals from the other parts of the battle world. And a megalodon shows up. Cause it's an island, right? So a megalodon shows up and, uh, attacks. And, um, and, and, uh, America Chavez in defending the island from this megalodon, like, Punches the megalodon, and unfortunately, the megalodon goes over the wall, like hitting a home run, and lands in the zombie world. And <laughs> if you've read any other Battle World books, you know the problem with that is that that violates Doom's laws. Because Doom's like, you can't fucks with the other Battle Worlds. Like, what goes on in your world is cool, but you can't violate the wall. And so, what was completely a legitimate accident, unfortunately, leads to her being banished to the wall as like a defender of the wall. Very Game of Thrones here, right? Like she gets banished to the wall. Um, and the She-Hulk and, and all the rest kind of are like, fuck this. You know, this isn't cool. And so they kind of quasi-rebel and they're trying to figure out why these portals are opening up. And let's just say that there is a, there is a, uh, uh, there's a wolf in the hen house. There is a traitor in their mists. Sure. And you could probably guess who the traitor is. It's really not that hard to figure out, honestly. I mean, no surprise. Yeah, it's really, it's, they go the obvious route there, <laughs> but but nevertheless, it's really well executed. Um, it's a hot traitor. Absolutely well executed. Yeah. All the I think all the characters ring true to the versions of the characters that we've come to know in, mm-hmm. in our in our reading. The book looks good, and I had a hell of a lot of fun with it. And I I definitely am on board for the ongoing. So uh, I think the book looks great. Personally, um, this was a hard sell for me. Okay. Um, She-Hulk and um, eh, I'd even well, Gamora w- was cool to see, but a lot of these characters, eh, I don't really click with them. I don't hate women, uh, but I gotta say, the the premise when you're situated next to zombie world. Um, the art is what won me over. Love the art. Yeah. I think like the I art, said, the Jorge art, killed it. Yeah, I, the art's astounding. And the, the payoff, there was many payoffs, but the biggest one was in issue four when mm-hmm. that double page spread happens. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, look at that. Mm-hmm. It, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy's going places. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's really good. And, and just a quick shout out, cause I don't think we're going to talk about it in depth, but I have to say, uh, I kind of dug Future Imperfect. Like, I, yeah. like, I, I mean, it's the least offensive I think Greg Ryan's ever been doing. <laughs> no, I mean it. Like, there's still the porn faces. Like, all his women look identical, especially those close ups. They're, they're like, uh, they're, they're all the same. They're, they're, they all of me look like, uh, Bruce Willis's ex-wife, whatever her name is. The but, more? uh, what's that? No, no, the, the more modern one, Brooke, uh. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
But either way, if you put that aside, because that's a given, I think the fact that so many of the creatures in this are, he had to go off model because they're, again, they're, they're, they're a Hulk, they're a thing. Um, I thought it was, it was fun. I like the characters. I like the maestro. I, I love the way that the book resolved itself. Uh, I thought it was really smart. Ultimately, you know, Doom, Doom wins. Doom always wins. Um, and I dug it. I liked who the old man protector was. Who the who the guard of the of the destroyer armor actually was it made a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that. I, again, I that's one where I really didn't think I would stick with it because of the art, and uh, but I enjoyed the story. I really did. I think the key component was um, Nolan Woodward or Woodard on on color. I mm-hmm. think the colors were spectacular mm-hmm. in this book. Yeah, yep. and I think Lyston. Who's been Land's regular inker for a while now? I think he gives it an he softens Land's photo ref just yeah. enough to yeah. to make it it, it 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 more enjoyable. I think. I think Land did a good job with the destroyer armor. Very good job. It looked it looked good. Yeah, and I think he did a good job with the Maestro. The yeah. um, I mean, you know, that we mentioned Ponzer before, who used to be his uh, regular colorist, but mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen Ponzer on there. That worked for a while. Yeah. So there you, you go, know, y'all. As much as we want to um, bash on Greg Land, he can do a splash page. Mm-hmm. Look, there are many things that are uh, admirable about the dude, not the least of which is that he clearly can do a regular monthly book. Yeah. Right, and and Marvel understandably values that. By the way, am I wrong? I mean, it's, is, is Secret Wars like horribly off schedule now yes yep i think like, was it issue... supposed to be bi-weekly <laughs> who knows about that but um i think the i mean we last... haven't had more than since five right i mean there hasn't been right the the extra issue i think has been actually pushed a month again ahead what i'm saying is it's been more than a month since we got five right right no it's late okay You're right it's late yeah but, a lot of Hickman stuff's late. His, see, uh, his it, thing with Bodenheim's real late too. Right, but when you when you when your your late book is the uh, center of the wheel around which all other titles revolve, you got to get this stuff done. Yeah, the entire Marvel universe is being held hostage by this one book. They're not going to launch whatever the, what's the the new books called um, Marvel Next or whatever. All, all, all the books all that are coming. All new, all, yeah. They're not going to launch those unless Secret Wars is done. Yeah. So it's crazy. Get the book finished. Yeah. I wouldn't even mind if they brought somebody really good in to help. You're going you're to need a heavy hitter. No doubt. Yeah. But just get it done. Do it. Whatever. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us once again. If you enjoyed what you heard here, do us a, a solid and leave us an iTunes review because we really appreciate those kind of things. Um, drop into our Facebook uh, group and come to our forum. www. I don't know why I said that. 11oclockcomics.com because we would enjoy your company. And most of all, David would enjoy your company because he loves you so very much and he's sad when you're not there. Oh, it's the saddest. He is. As usual, say goodnight, David. Good night, David. Bye. Ladies. <laughs>